Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Papers amaze me, they really do. The Sun this morning says, Holidays to be wet and mild at Easter. Right? That's a headline. Tuesday's Mail said, Dust off the barbecues. Easter heatwave on the way. Where? Like, what country? You're talking about Spain? Although I did hear earlier this morning that in parts of the UK in the coming days they're going to get highs of 20 to 21 degrees. But the headline in the Mail on Tuesday, Easter is said to bring feel-good factor as Ireland will enjoy a mini, mini heatwave over the bank holiday. Did they take it away from us? like did we misbehave did something happen anyway they're the forecast for you it could well happen though we might be surprised yet we'll have to wait and see very very sad news of a death of a cork man in spain uh, it makes the the tabloids this morning i was reading it online last night where spanish police are investigating after the body of an irish man discovered on a resort beach uh, the man believed to be from the cork area in his late 40s uh, he could have been the victim of an assault and Spanish police are apparently treating his death as suspicious, a grim discovery in the Costa del Sol. That story makes this morning's uh, uh, Red House, but Sligo dominates all of the papers. And the fear is that this could be a serial killer. And, and that's not overly sensationalizing anything. The headlines in the papers this morning talk of uh, people, uh, you know, I'm slow to use words like butchered, but there it is nonetheless on the front of uh, the mirror this morning. John Kearns is in Sligo for the mirror and saying the Gardaí are quizzing a serial killer suspect over the hate crime murders of two men. Uh, these men, of course, uh, Aidan uh, Moffat, aged 42, and 58-year-old Michael Schnee, found mutilated in separate knife attacks on Sunday and Tuesday in Sligo. A third man was stabbed in the eye. Now, uh, the Gardaí believe the victims may have met their crazed killer through a dating app. So all of the papers carried that story this morning. It may be a serial killer, says the Mail today, investigating whether uh, the two men brutally murdered in their homes in Sligo were victims of a homophobic serial killer that they met online. Uh, So that gets quite an amount of coverage on the front and inside pages of many of the newspapers this morning. Meanwhile, the front of the Echo today talks of the possibility of industrial action by members of Cork City Fire Brigade. Now, the planned action has been called off for tomorrow. They're going to the Labour Court, but by all accounts, firefighters are very unhappy with what they call, um, and I'm not not even sure of this myself, they call the reduction of operational pumps in the city area from three from four to three, I mean, who would want to be reducing anything, particularly when we heard of the horrific story of the entire burning out of a family home on this radio program yesterday morning. But what is what is um, an operational pump? I'm assuming that's a fire brigade, isn't it? Uh, you heard in the news there of 800 homes uh, down the marina. So we're looking at 823 apartments on the site of the old Ted Castle's coal yard on Centre Park Road. So that'll be flattened and cleared. And then they'll build... 823 apartments if they get planning permission. Six buildings in total, ranging in height from one storey to 35 storeys. It's it's all part of the regeneration of the South Docklands. And as you can see, a lot more these days because people can't build out, so they're building up instead. But 823 apartments, that's a story from uh, the Echo today. There is a court report uh, from an incident on Shandon Street at the Centra shop in Shandon Street that makes the papers today. And a woman was before the court, says she pepper sprayed a man inside in the Centra shop on Shandon Street and she was convicted of assault causing harm yesterday. But she claimed in court that her 17-year-old son was dead around a year uh, at the time of the offence and that the man that she pepper sprayed had sold her son drugs. 
Uh, the judge imposed a four-month sentence, which he then suspended. And he gave her some advice. He said, right now, you're, in a, you're a very angry lady and you need to stop that. It's not good. Uh, you have to break the cycle of violence uh, to have some chance in your life. She said, uh, I was after telling him to stop selling my son drugs. My son was dead a year at the time. He was selling my son drugs and he was still looking for the money off me. She claimed it was self-defense. Every time I walked down Shandon Street, he was threatening me. He pointed and said, I'll get you. So I pepper sprayed him. Uh, isn't that an incredible story? Now, I'm not going to talk about the court case because uh, I wasn't there. And it ended up with uh, uh, an assault causing harm charge yesterday, which was a suspended sentence. But haven't we heard often, and just putting that aside, it reminded me of many of the stories that we've heard on this program with regards to a drug debt uh, that families have to pick up uh, for family members. Papers this morning obviously talk a lot about, you know, cost of living and cost of fuels. I won't dwell on that much because they're drilling back into it again, talking about your your savings on your annual gas bill, 50 euro. Your savings on your annual electricity bill, 70 euro. I don't even know if tiny amounts of money like that even warrant coverage in the newspapers. But there you have it nonetheless. And then if you thought we didn't have enough TDs, there's even more coming. A bit like buses, and they come in packs. So we have 160 at the moment. In the next general election, what do you think of this? In the next general election, you could have 19 more TDs. The reason for this is there has to be X number of TDs for Y number of people in the population. So as the population increases, we also have to increase our amount of TDs. God only knows uh, that everybody out there, I believe, thinks, I imagine, that we've enough already. So possibly up to 19. What do you think of that? Text 0868104106. And the Garda beard policy apparently varies from county to county and force area to force area. And it's a story that makes the mirror today. Actually, when I heard that story, I think it first raised its head or raised its bristles, if you like, um, on April Fool's Day. But it's actually quite true. Um, and, and why not? Like, what would be the big deal? Like, I mean, you want to wear a beard and you're, and you're a cop. I mean, go for it. I mean, I don't know whether they'd go for, uh, you know, maybe body, maybe, I don't know, you know, studs in the nose or in the ear or in the lip or something like that. But it might be a step too far. But does it really actually matter um, how long your beard is? Um, one, in, one, one thing that does matter is passports and people trying to go on holidays. So there is some good news on the horizon there because the director of the passport office has said that first-time applicants as well as passport applications for babies are going to see the processing time reduced by five days. At least it's something. They claim it's on average 35 days. Now we know that isn't the case. It's much longer than that. But now they're saying that, uh, like officially anyway, it will go from 35 to 30. Whether it happens in, in, in real time or not, I don't know. But they are saying we're reducing our turnaround time because we are now producing more passports on a daily basis and we're actually receiving an application. So at least they've turned that corner. There's a steamy new film about lesbian nuns that's due to be screened in Irish cinemas on Good Friday. Probably not the greatest day in the week or the year to release a film about lesbian Italian nuns. But there it is nonetheless. And uh, it makes this morning's mail. I think they were talking about it on Liveline yesterday. 
Benedetta, it's called. Uh, and it's based on a, a true story showing two nuns who fell in love in a 17th century Tuscan convent. I'd say that happened quite a bit back in the day. Maybe it still does. But be very wary of your job because you could well be replaced by a robot and you mightn't even see it coming. Because with robot technology and AI and all of those kind of things, there will be jobs that will become extinct including fashion models. Would that ever work, though? You know, replacing fashion models on the catwalk with robots. In all fairness, I don't think it will. But other jobs, apparently, that will be at risk to robots are all cleaning jobs, whether it's buildings, vehicles, equipment, housekeepers, cleaners, maids, people working in hotels, uh, anybody working in food preparation and factories, all will go. Um, Barbers, all will go. Barmen or bar people or barkeeps all will go. Be all automated robots serving drinks and stuff like that. Um, as I say, sewage pipe cleaners. Watch out, lads, if you're a sewage pipe cleaner. There's a robot on the way. That's the way the world is going. And I love this story about Killian Murphy. While it wasn't today or yesterday, by all accounts, it was seven years ago that they packed up and moved back to Ireland. But he moved to Dublin. And he's entitled to do that if he wants to. But he said the reason that he moved back with his his wife and his children and his sons was because his sons were developing a posh English accent. And he wasn't happy with that. So to Dublin they moved in an effort to get rid of the British twang. He said that they had posh English accents and I wasn't appreciating that too much. So I decided to come back. But of course the only problem with that now, Killian, is that your sons now will have kind of posh Dublin accents. Maybe the posh Dublin accent is better than the posh British accent. But what about a Cork accent? I mean, do you ever consider moving back to Cork, pal, and giving them good old-fashioned Cork accents like? Uh, but anyway, it's a story that makes the papers today, Peaky Blinders star. And if you didn't know it, the best type of diet for a dog is a vegan diet. There's kind of difference between vegan and vegetarian, I know. But apparently dogs can do without meat all their life. By all accounts, I learned yesterday that cats cannot Cats have to have meat, apparently, but dogs don't. Might be a bit more boring for them, but they're saying, give your dog a bean, as in a vegan diet, and they'll thank you for it in the long term. Um, I have another uh, story for you, actually, connecting to dogs, and it is yet another nail in the coffin. The chocolate will poison your dog. And I know that you're going to start on me now saying that it will and people who love their dogs will say that chocolate is toxic, it's very bad for their health and they could die. But um, yesterday morning, our dog, Jack, managed to get into a bag full of Easter eggs. There was four large Easter eggs in a bag. Now, I'm the fool, right? My fault. I got blamed for it. I get blamed for everything anyway, but I got blamed for this yesterday and they were right. There was four Easter eggs, uh, you know, for four in the family. They were in a big bag and like a moron, I put them upstairs on the floor of an upstairs bedroom. How can a King Charles get into a shopping bag, take out a big Easter egg, right? Because they have paws now, not fingers. Then managed to get all of the cardboard packaging, which I struggle with myself as a human being, off this big Easter egg, and then get the tin foil off the egg as well. I saw the tin foil; it was perfect. It wasn't ripped to shreds or anything. It was actually just one piece of tin foil that was very carefully taken from the egg by a dog. The dog then consumed the entire Easter egg. Didn't bother with the little sweets that come with it, and has been walking around the house absolutely perfect ever since. 
So what's this about dogs and chocolate? You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, The Neil Prenderville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. Now, while I'm on the subject, apparently, I don't know whether any chippers on Lee's side, and if you are, I'd love to talk to you, are doing um, deep-fried Easter eggs. Could you deep-fry a small little one? Um, or, you know, like, you know, I know we deep-fry Mars bars, don't we, with batter and stuff like that, but apparently in the UK, a chippy is chock full of customers because everybody is flogging to a particular uh, branch of some chipper in the UK, I don't know where, because they're deep frying Easter eggs in batter. Um, I wonder would that work? What would it taste like? Anybody doing that? I mean, you could probably deep fry a cream egg, couldn't you? But maybe a big Easter egg? Don't know about that. Anyway, if you are doing it, do let me know. Deep fried Easter eggs. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 and off we go. I've got a busy morning this morning. Lots of texts, emails and calls and some studio visits as well. Amongst them, Mario Rosenstock, who's playing uh, the Opera Highs on Lee side. So I will get to uh, emails, as I say, and also texts. But let's plough through calls. John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? This is just a, a warning, isn't it, with regards to insurance cover, am I right? That's correct, Neil. That you uh, might think you might have the right level of insurance or the right policy. Isn't that, is that the term, the right term for it? That's right, yeah. The correct cover, I suppose, Neil, is, is uh, the term they use or the proper level, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because you've, oh, you've been paying all through the years, have you? That's correct, yeah. That's yeah. correct. Okay, what happened? So basically, um, I suppose... I'm middle-aged man, I'm 57, um, developed diabetes at 50, and it got progressively worse and quite quickly when it happened. So my advice would be to have the proper cover if you have underlying conditions or don't have great health, you know? Because I saw from your email to me that when you did need surgery or did need intervention, that's when the problem started with the level of cover you had. Yeah, that's yeah, that's correct. So basically, I was to have surgery, Neil. Um, through no one's fault, um, the surgery was cancelled the day before. Um, I was put back, that was in October 19. It was put back then to February of 2020. And guess what? The same scenario happened the day before it was cancelled. Uh, yeah, but you say to so, nobody's fault, but were there reasons why surgery kept getting cancelled? Uh, unforeseen reasons, uh, on non-availability of beds and... You know, I, I accept uh, we had COVID, but as the provider in question said, COVID won't be forever. So because at renewal, Neil, I had questioned, do I have the right cover? And they said, well, you do. But if you move to the next tier of cover, there's a two-year waiting uh, list because they class it as, as being a new condition. You okay. Know? Well, how, what kind of money are you paying annually? Um, to the best of my knowledge, Neil, I think you were looking around twelve hundred euro for the plan I'm on. Okay, VHI, Irish Life, Boopa, Leia. Who was it? The second one. The second one. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I wish. Now the unfortunate part is, and this is where I like to warn listeners: is while I'm paying twelve hundred, the top tier one was approximately fourteen hundred, and that would cover you for all hospitals. Uh, all over the country. So was it a case when you did want the surgery, you couldn't get a hospital, is it? I couldn't get a hospital in Cork, but there was one available in Dublin and in Waterford. Uh, the first time uh, it, it was uh, going to be scheduled was for in Waterford, Waterford University Hospital. And as I said, it was cancelled the day before due to circumstances beyond our control. That was the best they came up with, you know? Yeah. 
So where was and the problem then? The actual problem, if you could get surgery on your on your life policy, was it where the surgery could be done? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Correct. And was yeah. was that a so Dublin hospital? Again, uh, yeah. And you just to advise people while a person may have public, I'm uh, sorry, big apart, while people may have uh, private healthcare, uh, this particular plan only covered public hospitals. I would be the Mercy, for example, or the CUH. Um, for, uh, you wouldn't be covered for the Bonds Hospital and this plan or the matter private. Right, okay. can do this bed operation. Okay, so a public bed in a public hospital as opposed to a private bed in a public or private hospital. Well, the way the picture, Neil, is you're a private patient in a public hospital. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I was forearmed as forewarned, Neil, and my, my, my uh, advice there was to your researcher and to your listeners was Make sure if you have underlying conditions that you have the top tier, the top tier um, healthcare. You know, and for two hundred euro a year, it would have made a yes. huge difference to you, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And I, as I said, like uh, it had been cancelled three times. Um, I had multiple uh, correspondence with the healthcare provider, and there was no offer of, "Oh, we'll find you another surgeon or another hospital." I had to do all the soul searching myself, and with great difficulty. And I was lucky that. I met a surgeon in the Matter Hospital that directed me to go to Dublin. Like, the healthcare provider didn't know that this particular surgeon was available to them, you know? I mean, if you were shop, you know your product, don't has you? It, yeah, but has it been done yet, the surgery? No, no, I'm three years waiting, Neil. Three years waiting. and uh, So three years waiting said, with private health insurance, yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yes, that's correct, yeah, that's correct, yeah. That's okay, correct. everybody check your policies to make sure in the event that you need it that you have the right kind of cover and the right kind level of cover, isn't that the case? And again, like, I didn't come on your programme, Neil, and thanks for allowing me the opportunity to come on your programme to bash the, the healthcare provider I'm with, but it's to warn oh, no, people. No, it's, it's not bashing any of it, it's just the type of cover that you have and what you're getting and what you're paying for. Make sure you're yeah. on the right tier, make sure you have the right package. Right, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because people are all professional people and look, Everyone, we're in, everyone needs to tighten their belts and, you know, and the, the sad part about this is this operation, if you were to pay for privately, is in the region of €10,000. Crikey. Oh when, will it, when will it be done? At this moment in time, they uh, said to me, go and speak to the ombudsman, which is basically throw me under the bus, you know, three years waiting and um, it's just not available. Our surgeons now apparently are like subcontractors to hospitals. They don't know when they can have a bed available or when they can do it. So, again, it's, it's just to forearm warm people, you know. Absolutely. And I, I just wanted to bring it to people's attention. Yeah, like, you'd, like, you'd need to almost be anticipating what could be wrong with you physically years in advance yeah. of needing help with it. Isn't it true? That's very crazy. Very okay. So, you know, All right. Okay. Thanks for the advice. Well done. Thank you, Neil. Take care. Lines open. Text 0868-104-106. Lots on holidays yesterday, the Easter holidays. Uh, that was the question as to whether the holidays were too long. Of course, inevitably it turned into uh, whether or not the teachers get too much holidays. Uh, I know each to their own, but I would like to see a teacher spend a week in a centre with young adults with mild to severe disabilities uh, with approximately 21 days holidays a year. Another one, it's easy to criticise teachers. If you think it's so easy, maybe you should try and do it yourself. In fact, everyone should swap jobs and see how the others live and maybe there'll be more understanding and less criticism from everybody. Uh, as a parent of a junior, of a student doing junior cert, I've seen firsthand 
that during some weekends, evenings and holidays, some teachers put on classes online for students. Uh, My children are able to contact teachers via Teams at any time outside school hours. Where would we be without our teachers? Uh, Just on school holidays, it's the government who set the school holidays, Neil. How many of the sitting politicians were teachers? The government is not going to upset their own kind. Yeah, and take a look at politicians' holidays and breaks. They're ridiculously long. And now we're going to have another 19 of them. So many more kids with additional needs could be accommodated in mainstream schools if the Department of Education and Department of Health work together. Why don't they do that? Uh, Teachers should not be bashed constantly. At least they don't bash the daylights out of the kids like in our day. Just stop it. My sister was on crutches back uh, many years ago and was made to stand up and put out her hand to get belted by a metre-long stick, says Eilish. I rest my case. Stand up on your crutches so I can beat you with a stick. Listen, you're talking about teachers. Perhaps you could open up a discussion about early years educators. Eight to six, five days a week, and even during the summer months for those working in full daycare settings. Ah, crocodile tears for the teachers doing extra hours outside their 21 hours of teaching. I don't buy it. Uh, Morning, I golf with two teachers. They are constantly on the golf course and every day during the summer. Your two teacher friends won't like you for that. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. All right, Diego, good morning. Hello, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Um, this this chap was just on to me there yesterday. He says, um, uh, Neil, retail and supermarkets virtue signal all of the time about fair trade and sustainability and carbon footprints. Uh, a Muslim friend of mine remarked today that he will not feel fully included in Ireland until there's a halal section in the major supermarkets. Uh, should all supermarkets carry a halal section? So we posted that overnight. And it's quite interesting, the response to it. I don't know if you saw any of them. Just let me read out a few. Uh, why should we? Because you don't do Irish food in your supermarkets. You come to a different country, adapt to our foods. Another one um, said something kind of similar. We lived in Saudi Arabia and had to abide by their rules. And it should be the same here. And a third one. Let's do halal, but Muslim countries will have pork and off-license sections in their main shopping malls too. Well, how do you make of that? Well, basically, I, I could definitely agree. So you're coming to a different country. Me also, I'm a foreigner here. Where are you so from originally? Here, uh, I'm from Bosnia. Okay, so Bosnia, all right. Basically, mostly Muslim country. So I had a lot of contact with Muslim people. My best friends are Muslims. Half of my family is Muslim. So if I'm coming here, I don't expect Irish people, Irish uh, politics, economics, uh, retail stores, and everyone to adjust to me. Yeah, but if so we do I have a lot re- of no, but if we do have a lot of Muslims living now in Ireland, why shouldn't they be able to get whatever they want in the same supermarkets as the rest of us? They're residents I'm, here now. So, I'm not saying they shouldn't be able to. Like we have uh, Polish shops or I don't know, English markets or things like that. So, it's not a problem to have it. But probably those markets have uh their researches and uh, they're of course about the profit they're all about the profit and that's let's be real that's the only thing they ma- they uh, that matters to them yeah but yeah, like yeah. Uh, what those comments said if you go to another country if you go to the Middle East if you go to the Arab countries 
you probably won't find the alcohol section there. Oh, and so that's like, the interesting. That's the reason I kind of say oh, this is interesting. We'll do halal when they have when they have off license in their shopping malls in Muslim countries. We'll do halal when they have pork on sale in their supermarkets. Do you know that kind of thing? Uh, so I don't say. Uh, I'm not saying. Let's be like. Okay, we're not going to do that until you do this. It's 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 just not about it. It's about the culture. It's about what what people actually use here. What's what's selling? What, uh, what like? What do you expect to be sold, and how much you expect it to be used? So I can't just go around and say to someone, "All right, now I want like more food, like I had uh, back down in Bosnia." Can you like, get? Like can food, you get? Food. Is it very different your diet in Bosnia to ours here in Ireland? I wouldn't say very different, but like some main dishes are a lot different. So like I'm getting... But maybe getting you should be to, able to, to buy food. all of the different ingredients for the dishes that you eat in Bosnia or others eat in Poland or Ukraine or Latvia or Lithuania in our supermarkets rather than having... I mean, there are specific Polish shops, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. they are. Okay. There is actually... Uh, one creation shop here in Cork. Okay, no, but they're, 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 they're specialist shops. Why don't the multinationals uh, carry it all? I mean, people are living them. We're multinational. Why do people have to go to specialist shops anymore? Well, that's, that's completely true. I couldn't say, like, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't have that food. I'm just saying that for some reason, there is no that kind of food. So, like... Uh, you think the, that if there was a demand for it in big enough numbers, then your Tesco's and your Dunn's and your Lidl and your Aldi would carry it? That's probably true. I can't say it would for sure happen, but it's probably true. Because if you miss something, you can't live with it. You kind of, you know, you you either have to adjust or you simply have to move. Yeah, somebody because said that. By, could, yeah, somebody, but but that's rather harsh. I'm not Irish, and I do understand and accept that if I don't like the ways of the host country I've been living in, in this case mm-hmm. Ireland, then I should be asking where the airport is. Period. Do not expect the host country to adapt to your ways. That's amazing. Like, it's very nice. It's very nice. Don't get me wrong. From the Irish people to adapt so much to all the people from all around the world and how nice they are and everything. But we had a problem in Bosnia with that. After the war, we were adapting to people coming from the rural area. Yeah. What happened? What happened? 15 years later, we're, we have to adapt to them because the whole concept of the city changed. It's completely normal to throw garbage on the street. If you throw the garbage in a bin, you're like, what is he doing? Who is he? So that's, that's kind of not normal. But the people one. get criticized for doing the right thing, is it? Uh, I wouldn't say criticized. I wouldn't say criticized. It's very nice. It made me personally feel very good about it. How I'm accepted here, uh, how Irish people are talking to me and uh, things they do for me. It's amazing. But I say, what I'm saying is that some people, no matter where they're coming from or who they are, they can 
use that into their own favor. What's going to happen in 50 years? Well, you're giving me the impression that what you're actually saying is be very careful of the numbers you let into your country and where they come from because they'll take over. Is, is that what you're saying? I'm saying it's possible to happen. It's possible to happen. I'm, I can't say it's going to happen. I can't predict such a things. But it's possible to happen. Irish is so open to everything and uh, really trying like to make everyone feel like at home. Yeah. But and, and that we could go too far. In, we could go in, too far with that and lose our own identity, are you saying? Exactly. Okay. What's going to happen in 50 years? Is there going to be any Irish culture anymore? Is there going to be any Irish products anymore? Yeah. Let's say when you're a tourist. Yeah, but and yeah. like when I'm a tourist, I love to go somewhere and be with people from that country. So you're saying, okay, so don't allow people from other countries to uh, be um, incorporated into our supermarkets? Are you saying that that we shouldn't help them with their religion? Uh, Like, how far would this go? Say, you're saying, okay, if you want to come here, you can't be Muslim. You want to come here, you can't be Hindu. You want to come here, you can't be, uh, you know, any other religion but Christian. No, 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 you get me. You, You got me completely wrong. I'm not saying you can't be something. You can be everything but just to adapt to what's here okay okay so religion you're if you're a religious person you can't change that that's your own personal belief if you're black white or i don't know what you can't change that that's you that's perfectly fine but like uh, some other things the way the way you live, the way uh, you behave, those things we probably can change and adapt more to Irish society. An interesting text here as well before I let you go. Perhaps we also should be selling dog meat then, Neil, in supermarkets because there are countries around the world that eat dog meat. Should that be in the chilled section of our supermarkets? I don't know whether that's... I mean, it's an interesting point, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it's take a good it a point. Bit it's a bit far. harsh, but like, it's a good point. Okay, all right. Let me get some more because calls if on. We, if, yeah. we're, if we're going to please everyone, Everyone, then we have to please everyone. So is this a warning from? Is this a warning to Irish people from a Bosnian to be very careful that you don't lose your own self of national identity, sense of national identity? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. All right. Thanks and for that. I'm saying that as a foreigner. So okay. Let me get some more calls on this. See what people think. Irish and indeed those who have come from overseas. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Nina, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay. Uh, your thoughts on this? It's about, in- well, it's about I, inclusion, really, and making everybody feel welcome. So go ahead. Um, honestly, I don't see the picture as dark as this previous gentleman, just to say that we're going to lose our identity because of, let's say, we're going to become the multicultural country. Well, I don't see it this way, honestly. But I think so. We do have um, enough freedom of speech, though. Look, have a look this way. Um, the he, said it didn't have work. Mark- he said it didn't work in his home country of Bosnia. Well, sorry, probably I wasn't listening from the beginning, but yeah. like he mentioned also that the Irish people, they might lose their identity if they're going to allow a lot of nationalities, let's say, to express themselves, right? Yeah. That was, that was the idea. Well, I don't see this picture as dark as this gentleman was saying, personally, myself. Let's say I'm from Georgia, right? And um, I'm fully, how to say, adapt in the Irish society. I think so. there is no much difference between 
between my culture and an Irish culture. Yeah. So for that reason, wasn't really difficult for me at all. That's number one. But um, to connect it with the, the halal shops, I think so. We have a lot of halal shops. And halal, for those who don't know it, and I don't mean to sound condescending, it uh, is it, it's the it's the preparation of meat and the killing and the slaughtering exactly. of, an, of the exactly. actual animal yes. uh, adhering to Islamic yeah. law. I won't go into the gro- the gory details of it, but anyway, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm not going to in the details either, but like I know that like halal uh, in what exactly that means, and they call haram the Christian food. In other words, so in my understanding, to display these two foods along together, let's say in a dance or in a Tesco's, I don't think so. That's possible even. But I don't see the necessity because they have their oh, own... Oh, I see what you mean, that halal, yeah. people who eat halal food or meat or whatever wouldn't be happy yeah. with it next to what they claim as... But, haram. But, they call it our food haram. And what does see? that mean, haram? Haram means basically that wasn't baptized the way they are doing. Let's say they're going to okay. read some kind of a, okay. you know, Okay. some religious kind of rituals basically yes so personally me as a Christian I think so we are Christian country that would be my personal opinion I don't know so I think so we're not supposed to display halal food in every single market in my understanding because they have their specific dedicated places the way they display their own food you know so it, a text here um, I think it will very soon be uh, our little country will be filled by foreigners displacement is the order of the day now says Tony uh, that's uh-huh. kind of an alarmist text would you would you think that that could well happen at some stage in the future no I don't think so Neil. I don't think so I don't think so well do you know what I see the picture the people who's coming here in this wonderful country majority of them 90 probably 90 percent they are adapting to the irish culture and i'll tell you why this because it's really really easy to accept if you know what i'm saying you know mm. Mm. from my point of view personally mm. i don't know i'm talking no, i'm speaking for myself <laughs> okay let me get some emails on this thanks nina i reckon you're not listening neil to the people of cork you just don't listen when they contact your show about the concerns of 200,000 refugees coming into Ireland. No other country in Europe or the world is taking so much or has done so much before this action. No other country in the world has the debt of the Irish people. I don't need to tell you the state of the country and the lack of services for the people. We already have a million uh, immigrants in Ireland, according to the last census, and the next will show even more. That's a fifth of our population now. No other country in Europe has this amount her percentage. I have to take issue with you constantly diverting the issues of Ukrainian immigrants uh, when it comes up on your program. You divert and you say things like they will all go back to Ukraine. They will all want to go back to their home. What have they got to go back to, Neil? No welfare, no dole, no medical cards, no children's allowance. Uh, they'll go back to the poorest country in Europe. They won't go back. Incidentally, Ukraine is, is okay, it, it could be in tatters now, but it has, it, I wouldn't have ever called it the poorest country in Europe. I think it's uh, uh, really a, an incredible exporter. Now, maybe it, money didn't whittle down to the people themselves. But anyway, back to the email. You should be ashamed of backing the government with unlimited pensioners and disabled people only without access to limited resources as typical for the Irish people. No other country in Europe are taking the steps this stupid Irish government are taking, and you do not listen to people. On the morning that the Examiner and the Times broke with the headline, Ireland to take 200,000 refugees across the front front papers, you never mentioned it. 
Strange. Yes, very strange. You were towing the narrative, you see. Then the politicians roll out the head of a charity in Cork and they send her to the Ukraine border and use her for propaganda to give the Irish people a guilty conscience if they don't sign up to this crazy endeavour. What is happening to the Irish people is ethnic cleansing. The Irish people fought for freedom for 800 years and this government gave our children's birthright and their country away and will make them a minority in their own country. You did your bit as well to promote Martin's dirty work. And when he's commissioner in Europe, he will thank you for your acquiescence. I don't expect you to have the guts to read this out on your show. If you had any courage, you would do a phone poll to the Cork public on the refugee no limit announcements. But you won't do it. Uh, you need Coveney's cash to sheeple the people. So he'll take a bow. When the crap hits the fan, the public will be looking for those who walked our country and our children into a disaster. And that email from Tony, uh, which I did read out on air, incidentally. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. If any supermarket were selling halal meat, I wouldn't go there because halal meat goes against my beliefs. And I happen to be an Irish Catholic. So it seems you'll never be able to please everybody. Uh, and on teachers, I think people should know exactly what it's like to be a teacher before complaining about the holidays we get. I, for one... I'm newly qualified, and to say that I'm a teacher is an understatement. Try teacher, psychologist, mother, sister, friend to the students who sit in front of me. Not alone do I go into work to teach my 32 classes a week, 21 hours, 20 minutes. I spent up to 15 hours a week preparing notes, simplifying the curriculum, correcting, differentiating. That's 15 hours a week that is not paid for. I have 22 hours in a year to give to Croke Park, staff meetings, again not paid. I have reports to send home on students, again, not paid. Also, because of the contract that I'm on, I'm not entitled to pay for the holidays, so I'm actually self-employed in order to keep my income going. Because I'm a sub-teacher on maternity leave, my hours go in weekly, and there's been uh, more than one occasion where I have not been paid on payday uh, or was not paid correctly and have to wait weeks then to be rectified. If people are riled about the number of holidays teachers get, take it up with the Department of Education. The people who want teachers to give 40-plus hours a week to be a teacher, yet only pay them for half that. If you work a job where you go in, do your work, finish and go home, no more to do about your job. You have zero ground to stand on criticizing how much time I get off in a year. Take a walk on my shoes. But if, if, you, if, you, if you say that, for instance, that your salary is a good salary, right? then you should be working 37 hours a week for it. You should be working more than, say, the uh, 21 hours and 20 minutes, um, you know, that you do teaching per week. Because if you have a full salary that you're happy with, then that should require you to work 37 hours, shouldn't it? So you'd have the, um, you know, the the, the teaching hours. uh, And on top of that, any extra work that you would have to do outside of teaching to bring you up to 37 so you're a better teacher. Does that make sense? I mean, I understand what you're saying with regards to you know, being paid, um, you know, okay, you're, you're, you're paid every month, but you're, you don't actually work every month. I understand that part of it. Uh, but maybe if you, if you look at it logically, the extra work that you're doing outside of school to prepare for teaching is part of your job. Uh, it might be a more benefit instead of trying to start the usual anti-teacher bashing that you actually investigate and discuss the facts. Uh, how about highlighting the cuts to set hours that the department announced at the start of these long holidays that teachers are supposedly enjoying, parents and pupils deserve to know, but the media seem to ignore the facts. Thank you, Louise. I'm ignoring the facts because you haven't told me what the facts are. You just make a statement that I know nothing about. So some more information there, if you don't mind. Just a fast one down uh, down the harbour, down to East Cork, to Cove. Siobhan, good morning. Good 
Good morning, Neil. Have you turned into uh, um, a litter a litter warden or a litter collector? <laughs> well, it seems like that. <laughs> it seems like that. I've, I've moved into the estate about a year ago, and it's just it's it's appalling. And really. you know what's terrible about it? It's all it's all drink cans and cider bottles and beer cans and Pringles. Oh, it's, it's obviously all partying, you know. Well, there is there's used nappies as well, Neil, and ashes. So there are some residents that are dumping their used nappies there, hiding them behind trees and stuff like that as well. It's it's disgusting. How could um, they be, and what would they come from their own homes into the woods? Yeah, dump all. Yeah, the there's no there. Yeah, there's no bags, so it's ashes and ashes um, from a fire. Cans. Yeah. Ashes and cans. Okay, but I see Baby burnt nappy. cans, vodka bottles. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, here's a photograph of Dirty. Oh, yes, Dirty Pampers nappy, nappies and what yeah. have you. Yeah, so somebody with a very young... <laughs> we even had a look to see what size the nappies were to figure out which neighbour it was, you know? Why do you pick them up? All that stuff's disgusting. Why would you even well, I do have, it? Well, I, I have a, you know, a picker-upper and I have a bag. Because nobody else is. Um, I've gotten onto the council and I've been told... Oh, it's private property. They can't do anything, and they're telling us to trespass to go on and clean it ourselves. Did they say so that? Do it yourself. Yeah, they did. They said, "Oh, we can't do it. You'll have to go and do it yourself. It's private property." So they're literally directing. So why don't us. they prosecute the owner of the private property? I asked them that exact question. I said, "Well, why aren't you going after the owner?" Yeah. So. I've been chasing them about that, and they're saying, "Oh, we can't find out who the owner is." Ah, they don't know. They don't. But exactly. there's probably, probably rats there now at this stage, is there? Oh, there are, there are, there are rats, and um, the problem is some of the children go in and play there. So I keep telling them, "Don't go near there. It's disgusting." Um, I've actually set up a residence group over the last week, and there's some of us are actually going to go in there now on Friday and Saturday and try and clean it up. The, um, now, to be fair, I think one of the local councillors rang me last night and said he's going to try and find out. This is one of the estates where the um, builders went into NAMA. So they're saying they don't know who owns it. They're trying to get the council. There's been an application. In so what area years. of Cove are we talking about? This is behind the rugby club. This is called Ballino Farm Estate. Um so at the moment, nobody's looking after the roads, nobody's looking after the water. Yeah, I know, I've heard that before, and I've the same yeah. story down around Shannon and places like that. Um, the, the, of course, the bigger picture here is there are there is clearly partying going on there because, yeah. uh, you know... And, you, that, and that's what I was saying. I was and, saying and, like, and it would, it would lead you to believe that it's underage people that are drinking in the area, you know? Yeah, and I, I've asked them, because I'm, I'm around the corner from it, I'm not like directly close to where it is, I'm around the corner. Um... But I was saying, you know, if we could clear it out and put some lighting in there, it might deter them. You know, if they're lit up, they're not going to want to be there. You know, if some of the residents put lights on their house that shun into the woods, that would deter the youngsters from hanging out. If yeah. they were up in lights, you know, they're not going to want to hang out know, there so I much. Know. But you're, you're four um, months pregnant. Like, you've got better things to be doing. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but, you know, I have a child coming into this world. I wanted to live in a nice estate. I wanted to be clean for all the other kids that are out there. Um, you know, um, there were rugs dumped. Now, the council eventually, I've been reporting this since December, eventually came this week and collected the rugs. You know, I, I, know, yeah, I, know there's, I know there's domestic rubbish there and that's that they're adults. I get that. And they should have more sense. You know, God almighty, yeah. have a bit of cop on. What's the problem? Uh, but uh, a lot, you know, the, the problem with the rest of it then, which is clearly alcohol related, is kids are doing it. You know, 
Yeah, and, and there's and there's a so big there's a big problem in Cove with the kids going to various different locations. It's not just here. There's a few locations. The guards are changing. An underage drinking problem is it? Yeah, and they're How going. How do they get back fine. in home to their parents, though, if they're half caught? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, there's 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 another estate where they there you can see them. They all hang out, and you can and Age? coming up to the summer summer now. Oh, I would guess like anywhere from like fourteen up. You know, like by the looks of them, and they're all dolled up to the nines. They've got. You know, they're bringing chairs and everything. I've seen them with the chairs and the bags and they're all, there's a, there's a few different locations now in Cove. There's up here, there's another estate by Line where they're all going. They bring seating the with them for there. their drink parties. Oh yeah, they're, they're all they're all organised. Um, apparently the guards go up and, you know, they're so, they don't have the respect we used to have, you know, where if the guards told you to move on, you'd move on. They what don't do move they, on what now. What do they do? They challenge the guards, is it? I think they do. They, you know, you know, what are you going to do? You know, there's so many of them as well. You know, we obviously have the problem with policing as well. You know, there's not enough police to, you know, there's, there's, there's probably I, I, I haven't seen them, you know, myself. You've got a huge away. police station down in Cove, though. Yeah, but you know the quantity of the youngsters. You know they're they're brazen out now. Not like you know we'd be before. You know with, when we were kids, if the guards told you to move on, you okay, ho- hold you'd that, hold that thought. I don't. Wanna, I just want to develop that that particular thought and, and and point with you after ten. But I'm out of time for now. So I hope you can hold on back after ten. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news, and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Uh, Siobhan, just before I let you go, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I I commend you on the work and those in the local community down in the area are doing to try and keep the place clean. But just on the point of young people challenging authority, um, you, you, you get the impression they're a lot more brazen now. Oh yes, apparently um, I was told a few years ago one of the residents got physically attacked, assaulted quite badly by these teenagers um, when he went to, you know, um, speak with them. He was physically assaulted, so they don't have the respect that or the. I, I, where I was that? Where's that? Look, and where was that unlearned? This was here. Yeah, no, but where was, was unlearned, here. where was it unlearned from days gone I by? Have, you know, I was always told to respect your elders and, you know, you didn't talk back to them, but they don't seem to have that, um, I don't know, is it schools, is it parents, but I'll definitely make sure when my child is born that it will be taught that, you know, you listen to adults and you do what they say. I know, but you'll have to be careful of the company that he or she keeps then, won't you? Oh, of course, of course. Um, yeah, they seem to be brazen and they don't, like, apparently that um, resident, I, I I wasn't here myself at the time, but he was quite badly assaulted. Um, you know, so there is the fear. Now the adults have the fear of accosting the youngsters, whereas before, you know, you wouldn't, you tell them to move on and they'd move on, but they don't now. So, you know, that's why I was suggesting lights, because that way, it'll deter them from going there because they'll be lit up and nobody has to actually risk themselves, you know, um, to go up and, yeah. you know, clear out the area so that it's not as, it's as not, hidden. It's not anything you know. exclusive to your area, though, Siobhan, you know, oh, unfortunately. I, I know. You know, yeah, I, and you I, go on I a tour of the suburbs of Cork, north and south side, and you'll see similar, unfortunately, in parks and 
in, in obviously in wooded areas and and I you know I, I don't know do the police buildings. need more powers that they can put these youngsters into lock them up for the night teach them a lesson because you know I don't know to have the police lost as much power as they used to have um, I'm not sure but um, I think they do deserve to have more power to be able to do something to these youngsters yeah yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I know one girl that was bullied and um, the parents went down to the school to meet the bully's parents and the return from the bully's mother was, well, your daughter better toughen up. <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> you know, much. Beggars, yeah. Oh, yeah. beggar's yeah. belief, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your daughter's fault. Yeah, it's your daughter's fault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Could I just add that um, we will be cleaning up that area this weekend in Cove on Friday. What's the point, though? They'll only do it again. Nobody else will do it. Um, it's going to be there. It's going to attract more rats. Um, you know, it's trying to make a nice area to live right. in. Okay. If we can clear it up and maybe make it nice, let it be an amenity rather than a dump. All right. You know. Um, okay. Good luck with it. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Thanks for holding on. Appreciate it. I kept you longer than perhaps you thought I would, but I really appreciate your input. Thank you for that. Text 0868104106. So teachers aren't paid for holidays, so they're only paid for 33 weeks and it's spread over the whole year. But that logic, they're paid 84 euro an hour when they are teaching. (laughs) That's a good one, Greg. Schools should be open all year round with parents having the option to send children in in for summer camps over the summer. Teachers, you are not children. Um, They should get long holidays, but not you. Um, How would you feel if all of the shops closed down for three months over the summer or all hospitals? If the teachers are so wonderful spending the holidays preparing lessons, why do they let us think they are lazy? Uh, why don't they insist that they're obliged to come into school over the summer and do all the work they claim to be doing at home in schools, says Greg. And then, Neil, you mentioned the alleged homeless homophobic assault on the young man that took place in Dublin over the weekend. Uh, I condemn all violent assaults, but ought not all citizens in Ireland be treated equally? Hundreds of young men must have been assaulted around Ireland over the weekend. Have any of them received national media coverage? Has the Taunished personally contacted any of these innocent assault victims? Or are some more deserving than others? How is this homophobic assault an expression of equality? Law-abiding citizens of Ireland have spent countless years bearing the brunt of endless violence. Drug-related criminality, muggings, burglaries, rapes, shootings, gang crime, harassment and antisocial behaviour, only to be told that this is the price of living in a diverse and vibrant country. Yet when one gay man is assaulted, the Minister for Justice responds with more guards on the beat. How is that equality? Beyond no illusions, this is all being exploited to usher in inequitable and undemocratic hate crime and hate speech legislation and you as a broadcaster are playing your part. How can justice be said to be blind when the punishment doled out to the perpetrators of identical crimes will vary wildly wildly in severity depending on the category in which their victims belongs. Where's the equality in that, says Richie. By email to neil at redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. I mean, I get it with regards to the story coming out of Cove and the issues that they have down there with antisocial behavior and what have you. But you can't generalize against all people or all sections of society or age groups or demographics. And, and I'll tell you why. We all know of the work that's been done up in the 
cabin for years and years on the north side. We all know of GMC, Gary McCarthy, and the work that he's been doing with the help of others, uh, helping along uh, young teens to be creative, to be artistic, to do different things with their lives. I got a lovely email in earlier in the week from a group of 16 singer-songwriters, writers from Cork, aged between 14 and 17. They said, we're a group of 16 singers, 14 to 17. We've been writing our own songs writing our own songs through music projects and doing it for, two, for four years. It's the Mishnok Project, and uh, as I say, it's been carried out at the Cabin Studio. Gives them a creative outlet for young people in the Knocknahini area. And we've played music that was actually produced and recorded from the Cabin in the past. So I was reading through and listening to some of their videos and music, and I said, you know what, we need to get these girls in uh, to chat with them and to hear what they can do. So with that in mind, I'll chat with some of the girls in a minute, but this is the kind of work that they're putting together at the cabin. Have a listen to this. This is No Worries. Looking back now Seems like a distant memory When life was easy And we were full of energy Living with no worries, no problems, no stress, no fears You were always there for me whenever there were tears Living with no worries, no problems, no stress, no fears The strength you gave me has stayed with me all these years Those were good times incredible i wish you could see this guys what's happening in studio welcome uh sophie rosalind cara chloe charmaine and roisin did you enjoy that yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were dancing along and singing along that was incredible thanks, thanks. the production level is so high you must be very proud of it yeah, yeah definitely. oh my god are you really enjoying your time up there yeah, yeah. 
Love what do you make of this guy in the corner? Isn't he a legend, Gary? Our fave GMC Beats. <laughs> He's Yo. the best in Cork City, lads. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, the production of it is superb. Well done, Gary. It's brilliantly nice put together. One, thank you. Not for the first time, man, you're turning out the talent. You guys are very talented. Thank Thanks. you. <laughs> It was amazing to watch you boogie there. The other <laughs> song, Pressure, right? What's that about? Is it the challenges of your age as young girls to conform? Definitely. It's kind of about, like, you know, women having to feel the need to uphold these unrealistic beauty standards that are shown in the media and just how it's not It's not realistic. It's not... Nobody's perfect. So, like, you know, it's the fact that it's really hard. That it's it, all right yeah. to be imperfect and there's nothing yeah. wrong. And where is that coming from? Um, because I was just thinking about it this morning. School, tabloids, magazines, social media. Where's the pressure coming from? It's honestly, it comes from yourself because you're seeing everybody else and you're like, I wish I was like that. So it literally, it's just like, it's yourself pushing it onto yourself. But where are, you, where are you seeing these perfect women or perfect girls? Is it on social media? Is it following somebody on Instagram? Is it the Kardashians? <laughs> um, it's most definitely in social media, like magazines. You see all these models and you just wish, like you think like, oh, I need to be like that. So, and that yeah. causes a lot of worry, anxiety, stress, sadness, does it? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And you know that a lot of those are photoshopped. They're not real. Yeah, uh, yeah. like... It's all unrealistic, just you know. So, and, and with that in mind, then that puts an awful lot of pressure on people. There's also bloggers and, and influencers, and 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 you know, do you see an awful lot of stuff on social media with regards to diet and diet plans and pressure to lose weight? It must yeah. be overwhelming. Definitely, and especially like as teenagers, I feel like we just look at it and we're like, okay, this is what they're saying. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to be. So it's just it's really hard on all of us. So we're like. So it just becomes like ultimate sadness, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, tell me, why is that? Because you just feel that what you see you will never be? Yeah, 100%. That's exactly it. And you don't have the maturity or the the knowledge of life yet to know that actually none of that bull matters anyway. Yeah. That takes years to get to, you see. Yeah. You know? And does it happen then in school? Does anybody else want to jump in on that besides uh, besides Sophie? Does it happen in school with your workmate or your colleagues at school as well that you feel that they put you under any pressure? Like, I feel as women, we always have this kind of unrealistic standard for ourselves. And I think something a lot of girls do is we compare ourselves to each other and it's not healthy. Um, Like, I know you'd see some of your friends and go, oh, why can't I look like that? Her skin is so clear. Oh, my God, I, I have pimples all over my face. What am I doing wrong? And like, like Sophie said, they're unrealistic standards that we're putting on ourselves. And it's ultimately damaging us in the long run because, like, as you said, it's it's unrealistic and we don't need to conform yeah, yeah. but it's just I think from a young age we're always told we have to be this we have to be girly we have to be this kind of perfect kind of person but we can't be that and it's just kind of coming to de- come into terms with the fact that you can't be perfect whatever that is so you wrote the song Pressure just summing up everything you're talking about in a song right where you say yeah. the girl on the magazine cover who seems so confident um, you know uh, do boys put you under pressure as well? I think so. I feel like it's always in the back of your mind, like, oh, they're staring at me. They're going to make fun of me now later on, like, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So who wrote the song? Uh, I did. Okay. So talk me through the emotions of the song and what it's about. So 
I was just kept, we were sitting in the room and we were split off into separate rooms and we had written up a load of words and we were trying to write spoken word pieces so I was like writing a spoken word but I didn't like it and I wasn't liking where it was going so I was like I'm changing it I'm better at writing lyrics than I am at anything else so that's what I'm going to do instead and so I was just like picking out words that I felt resonated with me personally yeah and, and, and others of your age I'm yeah. sure other girls of your age. so part of that is boys will be boys in how they use their words saying hurtful things to young girls is it yeah and then like feeling like they always get away with what they say because they're boys they get to say whatever they want and not have to face their own consequences whereas then if a girl says something it's like oh well she's she's been a bit dramatic isn't she yeah I know do do any of you call out boys if they say something nasty or hurtful or or sexual all of the time (laughs) all of the time do you yeah yeah Yeah. what would you say just tell them to cop on yeah that it's not right like they they can't get away with it yeah how do they react then when you call them out they get all defensive and they're like, oh, I didn't mean anything by it. But like you 100% know that they did. Okay. I think half the time boys just need to be put in their place. Like, because like they've never been told that what they're doing and what they're saying is wrong. So I think sometimes you need to put them in their place and make them realise that what they're doing and what they're saying is out of order. And how do, how are they learning that kind of carry on? Are they also being victims of social media and Instagram and porn and all of the things they see on a screen. A hundred percent. And I feel like half of it is the way we're raised, the way we're brought up, is they're not told, they're not like they're not educated on the matter on how it can affect people and how it can affect girls' mental health. So I feel like half of it is you need to tell them what they're doing wrong and you need to educate them on the matter and you need to tell them to cop on. Yeah. Because they'll never learn otherwise. And the guys that you call the boys that you call out and correct and say that's not on, you shouldn't talk to me like that you shouldn't talk to girls do they learn then do they change after you talk to them well most of the time yeah you'll get the odd person that will never change in no ways but if they're a decent human being they'll go okay what I'm doing is wrong and I'm going to improve myself okay do you all go to different schools incidentally so most of us do okay yeah. what schools the three of us me Sophie and Chloe we all go to Terence Maxweeney Community College and then um, I go to St. Aidan's Community College in Dublin Hill and Roisin goes to St. Vincent's in Fairhill and Charmaine. I think my mother I think my mother went to St. Vincent's. Good school. <laughs> <laughs> and Charmaine goes to Christ King. Okay, so a lot of different secondary schools then. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Are you gonna perform it for me? You're gonna do this. I've got a backing track so you guys can do the vocals and a cappella, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I've been practicing hard? Very yeah. much so. Okay, um, hopefully I won't make a hames of this for you. So uh, there's probably an intro into this, is that you know what to do anyway. So this is pressure, lads. This is pressure. Have a listen. this pressure to cover up every spot don't even know the girl in the mirror staring back at me i lost myself trying to be the girl on the magazine cover who seems so confident it makes me start to wonder What's going through her head? Does she feel the way I feel? 
and think the way I think Does she have insecurities to make her feel sick? The voice inside her head Always staring her down It's like they don't understand Why she's afraid to speak out they say boys will be boys and how they use their words So I have double standards when it comes to girls That's incredible. <laughs> the, har <laughs> the harmonies are just incredible. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think you realise how fabulous that sounds. <laughs> I mean, you guys should have your own. Do you ever think of putting together a podcast yourselves? We, we have one in have the cabin. The what? Cabin. Do you really? Yeah. yeah. What do you? Okay, so what do you talk about in the podcast? We everything and anything. Pretty much everything <laughs> and everything, yeah. It's fun. What's it called? It's Happening. called The Happening Podcast. So, Do you talk about things that affect young people's lives and, and girls and body image and things like that? Yeah, I think we're going to be starting to do that eventually. Yeah. We've but like dabbled in it a little bit. We'll be, yeah. we'll be getting more into it. We've been, interviewing into, we've been interviewing influential women in the community and putting those episodes on the half. Okay, who, have you been, who, are the influencing, who are the influential women? Um, Sophie, you can do that one because I'm not part of the podcast group. <laughs> um, so, so far we've interviewed um, Yvonne Callanin, which is actually one of our teachers in school. And we've interviewed Stephanie Fogarty, not Fogarty. Anyways, Stephanie, who's Miss Gay Ireland. We interviewed her recently. Yeah, yeah. And we've also interviewed Mags from Music Generation. Yeah. And then we'll be doing more with like Claire Sands and stuff like that. So, yeah. I think it's incredible what you do. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. You need to keep on writing songs and performing, though. That's very important. There's like, definitely a talent there. This project has been like a huge, like, has unbelievably impact on us. Like, and it's all thanks to St. Patrick Fest and the TikTok Creative Fund. Like, they funded the entire thing. Yeah, no, that's, and that is fantastic. But you guys have confidence, which is great. Yeah. You know? You've That's all thanks to the cabin. Like. Yeah. yeah. yeah, Here's some text, incidentally. Uh, I would listen to that song all day. Those Cork teens are seriously talented. That could be a top hit. Well done to them. And to Gary for being a local hero to the teens of Cork. Let's hear it for Gary! <laughs> He's mortified. I don't doubt he has changed many, many lives for many kids around Cork. More people like him are needed. He's incredible. Well done, lads. The tune is a belter. Another one here. They are amazing. Another one. Beautiful. Not another one here. Those girls are amazing role models for the generation, and they have incredible voices. And another one, incredibly super talented. Now you should feel really good about I love what you that. do. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks everyone. That. That's lovely. <laughs> take, take the rest of the day off. <laughs> you guys must be in school today. No, no we're on, oh, you're on Easter. Yeah, <laughs> Easter. Okay, well, extra Easter eggs for all. <laughs> Don't be strangers. Stay in touch, will you? Definitely. Be great to see you all again at some stage. There's a gig coming up. Oh, yeah, we have a gig in the Black Market Marina on Sunday, the 1st of May. So if anyone is interested, if anyone liked what they heard, you're all welcome to come up. 3 p.m. 3 p.m. You need an agent. Yeah. And it would be great if you could all follow us on Instagram, The Cabin Studio, The Cabin with a K, everyone. Not a C. Not a C. 
<laughs> All right, that's okay with me. Just remind me and I'll give it a plug for the Marina Market at the back end of the month. So remind me of that next week and no send problem. me a text or an email. Listen, Sophie, Rosaline, Cara, Chloe, Charmaine and Roisin, thank you so much for coming in. It's great to see you. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Much. You're the greatest. Take care. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Yeah, keep those texts coming on the girls. It's terrific. Those girls are fantastic. In the right hands, they could be big stars. What an incredible local talent, says Dave and Balan Hasig. I agree 100% with that. Keep the text coming. Can I stay on a musical theme, if you like? Uh, this is the DJ, Billy McGailey. Billy! Can you hear me all right? I can indeed. Can are, you hear me okay? Are you, are you climbing Caron Tool? I am. Okay. Uh, not now, but in the morning. Yeah. So that's fairly straightforward, I suppose. Climb up Caron Tool. But not what you're carrying with you, right? Yeah, no. It'll be a bit of extra weight, uh, as you very much know. So, yeah. A little so, bit more difficult tomorrow so morning. an entire disco rig will also... De- no? Yeah, well, obviously, we have to keep it kind of streamed down as well, but there will be enough to do, like, a DJ set, but it's not going to be a massive setup, you know, because obviously that's not physically possible. Okay, but yeah, you've got to bring a desk or decks and a sound system. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. So, uh, who's going to carry all that stuff? So, I'm carrying most of myself, but I also have some help from my dad and my sister, and there's one or two other guys coming up to help us as well. Have you ever climbed Caron Tool? Yeah, I've been up here a few times. What's that bad bit remark. there? Is it called the Devil's Ladder, is it? That's the one, yeah. So how are you going to get the decks and the sound system of that? Up on my back and uh, climb away. It's fine. Like, I've done it before. Like, we're all experienced climbers. and we've been up Oh, before, okay. So, You're yeah. an experienced climber. No, I think it's a fantastic idea. So when you get up to the top, okay, what time are you going to start the climb at? So we're going, leaving as planned at the moment at 3.30 in the morning. How long will it take? So usually we can do it in under two hours, but obviously with the extra weight, we're allowing ourselves a little bit of extra time. So I'm going to say it's going to be maybe two and a half hours to get up with the weight. And what about power when you're up there? So a small little generator with me just to kind of relay the power um, just when we get up there. And why are you doing it? Why am I doing it? Um, I wanted to do something positive um, with what I do as a DJ to help um, what's going on over in Ukraine. So... I've nominated the Irish Red Cross and I'm going to donate the money. So there's a GoFundMe set up for people who have been donating the last few weeks and that's why. Okay, so this would be a, a sunrise set, would it? Yes, provided we could see the sun, the clouds <laughs> down, the weather's changing every every minute. So um, in tier, we, we should get the sunrise, but look, we're at the mercy of the weather now. Yeah, have you, have you ever, I mean, I climbed it once and you couldn't see the nose in front of your face up there. It's it's potluck. Have you been up there where the, when, on a day when you got a view? Yeah, I have a really cool photo up there at the top uh, where it was like really clear. It was one of the best days um, that's ever been seen up there. I was very lucky. But then I'd done the sunrise on other occasions and we could, like, it was clouds, as you say, like what you've said there. Same situation. It was breaking every few seconds. You'd get a photo. But, like, yeah, we're. we're um, it looked cool in, from the perspective I'm bringing some lights. I've got some battery-operated lights so with the clouds up there, as you know, from the old smoke machines and nightclubs, it'll look really cool. It but, um, look really cool. <laughs> you better put a drone up in the air, will you? Yeah, we are. We've, we've a drone organised as well. Now, again, it depends on the weather. If it's too windy and it's not permissible. What is the forecast there, for about 6am, do you know? It's down, it's been cloudy, you know, it was supposed to be clear all week, it's been clear, I was delighted, and uh, it's changed, you know, it was down for rain, it's changed back to just some light cloud at the moment, but again, look, it could change again overnight, so um, we're just really, um, 
I know. Now there won't. There's nobody going to be up there. This is not uh, for the public to come up and boogie or anything. Sure, it's not. No, just to be clear, yeah, it's um, it's for charity, and um, obviously health and safety is very important. It's protected grounds, and you know I've I've gone through the relevant channels to get permission to do this. Um, so we have to be very respectful. So it's just to get up safely, get it done quickly, and get back down safely. So how long will trade. the set be? Um, I'm going to try and do at least half an hour, but again, it, it's, if it's raining and stuff and it's windy and ter- conditions are bad, you know, it'll be kind of a very quick one. If we can get a bit more time up there, we will. Um, but definitely going to try and do some sort of um, a decent DJ set, so probably at least 30 minutes. Got to be a Guinness Book of Records in this, certainly an Irish record in this, the highest, got, highest gig yeah. in Ireland. Do you think? I've researched it, yeah. So it will be Ireland, but unfortunately not the world. Some guy did it. It's about four and a half thousand metres up. In um, I've, I've researched it. So definitely not a world record, but definitely an Irish one anyway, which will be cool. You're spot on there. The highest altitude DJ set on land was nearly 6,000 metres high by two jocks in uh, Pakistan last year. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the photos. Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah, but yours will as well, because you're videoing this. You're going to have a drone in the sky. Are you Are you broadcasting it live online? Yeah, the plan is to we've that sorted as well. So um, the the phone system is actually quite okay up there. It drops out on the way up, but it's actually okay when you get up there. So the plan will be to stream it. The issues with streaming those um, it could be pulled down. So we're going to record it anyway, and we'll be able to upload it after. So people will, if people are up that early, they will be able to kind of check in and see what's going on. Where where can they watch this happening? So my business is BMG Sound. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, so we'll have basically posting as we go up so Fantastic. people to check in okay yeah. so any, any kind of a google at all on bmg sound will bring people to a live stream or a live feed be great to talk to you tomorrow after you get down absolutely yeah no problem we can schedule that yeah yeah because but you're up there at six kind of isn't it there thereabouts sunrise is kind of around seven yeah so we, once that's done we'll be coming straight back down the mountain okay so certainly we, yeah certainly we could get to you before we get off air at midday Yep, perfect. Okay. No and if people want to contribute, because this is all about raising money for, for the Red Cross, that's a GoFundMe. Is it Ireland's highest DJ set in aid of Ukraine crisis? Absolutely perfect. That's it, yeah. Fantastic. Okay, well, be safe. Have a safe climb. Enjoy it. And I hope the weather's kind. And we'll talk tomorrow. Thanks so much, Neil. Appreciate it. Welcome. Not a bother. Take care, Billy. That's tomorrow morning with the half past three in the morning start. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Okay. Red FM. Got an awful lot more Corkisms and Cork sayings and Cork slangs. Keep them coming and I'll read out a whole langer load of them as we say on Lee's side, this side of midday. Text 0868104106. Uh, some days back I was chatting with uh, Niall himself and Matt, uh, uncle and nephew Niall and Matt Daniels were traveling from Ireland all across Europe down to the uh, Polish-Ukraine border. You might remember the call call at the time because they had 180,000 Barry's tea bags. They had two tons of cheese on board. They had tons of butter and flour and oats and pasta and something like nearly 2,000 litres of long-life UHT milk and cheese crackers and West Cork cookies. It was an amazing cargo that they brought down there. Um, I was curious as to how things got on when they actually arrived at the border. And actually, Niall came back to me just to update on that. He joins me by phone. Niall, good morning. Good morning, Nate. How are you? Good. Not a great phone line. What was it like? It was an eye-opener, Nate, to be totally honest with you. Um, I 
upstairs when he's speaking to two of us. Like I can't speak for that. But, but Could you move around a little bit, now so we can do justice to the call? If I, yeah. If I put my hand up a little bit, would that help? Yeah. As an antennae. Yeah. Um, myself and Matt, we, we were actually actually just totally taken aback by the whole situation. It was um, we weren't anywhere near that trying to patronise anybody. We were nowhere near it, but yet you felt... No, it's not. It's, it's a shocking line. It really and truly is. You're not on hands-free or pods or anything, no? Um, I'm, I'm on earpiece. Hang on a second. Oh, no. That, uh, sorry. No no, no earpieces, no hands-free, nothing. <laughs> Old-fashioned <laughs> phone. Yeah, go ahead. Old, what were you going to say? Phone. You were nowhere near prepared, is it, for what um, you witnessed? Not we were nowhere prepared. We were nowhere near the, shall we say, the the centre of it all obviously obviously in Ukraine is where, the, where it's all happening but just to see what's going the food we took down basically was going to get prepared prepped into meals and so on and so forth and basically shipped out that that day in smaller vans across the border to right. people to, who, who need it yeah. um, the gentleman that was organising Matt from um, the World Central Kitchen showed us around the facility and you know he, he showed us a family of a nanny and daddy of, of Ukrainian origin and their little girl She's too young to walk in the food preparation, but yet she comes in and does for a bit. She cleans around, she does the kitchen, she does tidying around, she does a whole little bit to help all people at home. So it's you very, saw many Ukrainians arriving at the border? Um, no, you? absolutely not. No, no, no. These people were working in the, in, the, in the World Central Kitchen facility for prepping foods and, you know, shipping it out, shipping it back across the border into Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like I say, we were nowhere near the. Uh, it's probably the wrong word to use. We were nowhere near the action. That's, that's probably the wrong word to use. But yeah. you know what I mean. We we weren't at the forefront of that at all. Yeah. But you can see where the food was going, what it meant to people. Like a, a convoy, a constant flurry of vans, smaller vans in and out, putting hot food into the back of the van, straight across the border, straight back into Ukraine again, going to wherever it needed to go. You Isn't know, it, it, was very, it, it was very leveling. It was very humbling. That our little bit was was nothing compared to what these people were doing. Nothing, yeah. and I mean that bit's great. But it's all a link in the chain, though, isn't it? Because if you didn't bring, if you chain, didn't bring yeah. the 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 foodstuffs and everything, yeah. they would have nothing to work with. So you were just true, as important. True, true, true. Well, I mean, like I imagine there were a lot of other Arctics arriving at the same time as you guys, right? Uh, my family have said you're doing this, you're doing that, the other. I don't think so. I think we're just doing another job. I'm just doing my job. That's what I do. That's what I do. Um, but like, there's, there's as I said at the end of the interview last um, Friday, you know, there's there's trucks going out from Ireland every night of the week to this. You know, and maybe just just doing it under the radar, just going out and doing yeah. it where where local communities come together and throwing their few bits and pieces in their few nappies and wipes and so on and so forth and bits of food and so on and so forth that help yeah. and, and, and every okay, night so of your the week, flour and your pasta and your cheese would clearly gone into dinners where somebody else then would yes. be bringing maybe the meat or the chicken or, or what have you absolutely absolutely and the butter um, would have been incorporated into meals as well would have been incorporated like we got when we got to the facility um, which is just a basic it was previous to this sad sorry incident this whole this whole episode it was just a, a vacant warehouse that the boys basically went in and ripped asunder tied it up and put in their big cookers their big you know their their massive big industrial industrial style industrial size cookers to, to prep food when we went into that the first thing i saw that noticed that i noticed was six pallets of oranges from spain Right, yeah. You know, where, where there's fruit and veg coming from everywhere, as well as the Irish, and I'm not, I'm not belittling everybody's, like you say, everybody's, everybody's assistance is very well, well, yeah. well, well yeah, met, but there, there, there's food coming from everywhere, everywhere. When we were driving down, there was, we were overtaken by cars, by buses, by vans, British, 
Swedish, um, Danish, Italian, French, German, the whole plethora of European countries. And all, okay, they might not have had as much, obviously, in the back of a car as we'd have in the back of a truck. So these were literally Arctics all going in the same direction as you, in different lanes? Yes. No, well, I'm talking about the cars, the origins there. There was, there was cars, there was people in, in family saloons with, with boxes of stuff with Ukrainian flags on them from, from Germany and, and Sweden and France and Italy and everywhere. And, as yet, well, as well as and yet this one-sided genocidal war rolls on week after and week. And it after rolls week. on. And it rolls on. And, and very poignant as well. I only, I only kind of twigged it later on in the journey. As we approached the border, as we approached the Ukrainian border, we would have passed a convoy of about, if I recall, 15 or 18 low-loader trucks coming, say, he- heading west. And I never, yeah, never kind of put much pass on it because it, it's a regular thing you would see. But until we overtook two of them that were heading in towards Ukraine and they had military equipment on them. Yeah. yeah uh, and yeah. what I kind of... Is that military aid together, then, yeah? No, well, I presume that would be from, from, from NATO or yeah. naval forces or, or, or whomever. But there were, there were armoured vehicles of some sort on, on the back of these two heading in. But... I was thinking then to preserve these 15 or 16 or 18 trucks that was going out empty, they were going to lift the same stuff to bring it back in. I know. And that really, really, really struck Matt and myself, which is why quiet in the truck for a couple of minutes. Two of us were thinking the same thing. And, and Sounds profound, em- emotionally. It was profound. That, that's, a, that's a good enough, that's a good enough um, description yeah. of it. Profound. Yeah. It was. It was very humbling. Very, very humbling and levelling to see what we have. And I know there's, I know there's issues in this country with, with poverty and everything else, but... From, yeah. Okay, I won't, I won't say from anybody else's perspective, from my perspective. Oh, no, you're telling it. your own person. I, I have it very, 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 very easy. Very, yeah. very easy. Yeah. No, there is, unfortunately, there is an amount of pushback now, you know, when you talk of homelessness already existing in Ireland and lack of accommodation and lack of services in the state of our health system and all that kind of thing. Um, but your experience is, you know, personal to you. You're back now and everything. Um, safe and back since um, late Tuesday night earlier. I got in rough there Tuesday night. I was home myself in Leitrim here about one o'clock on Wednesday morning okay. thereabouts. Job well done. Okay, well done. Um, well, I tell you, it's one thing, like thank Mother Grace for giving me his time, as well as be it the Ukraine for, for organising the whole show, Sheridan, the whole, the whole gambit of, of, of suppliers, small suppliers that, probably won't get a mention by their 10 boxes of cheese or whatever but yeah, yeah. and most guys were good to us they gave us the, the time off to do it the truck it all ended up and yeah. then World Central Kitchen you know they're, they're just people who are just as I said the, the American organiser down there they're walking things yeah give me that butter they, they, give me that milk give me that cheese give me that pasta I want to make they, meals they will do yeah. that yeah. On, on, on the scale of the Haiti um Disaster a few years ago in America there with the with the flash floods. All they'd just be there. It's not necessarily a war a war um, response. It's natural disaster. This is obviously a natural disaster as well, you know. Yeah, but know. it's 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 a it's a an experience I bring to my grave. Well said, man. Well said. That about sums it up. Listen, thanks so much for catching up with me and giving us the rest of the story, Niall. Good luck to you and to Matt for the work you've done. Fair play. Thanks very much, Niall. All the best. It's just a fast one this side of 11. I chatted to John O'Brien, a corkman who travelled down to the Polish-Ukraine border as well. So about 1,500 people a day were were crossing over, particularly in a region where he was. Remember he was talking about getting his own printer and his own laptop and setting up his own table and processing refugees because there was nobody representing Ireland there at the time. John, good morning. Morning. Good morning, Neil. Any of that change? Unfortunately, not, Neil. Um, since I spoke the last, we have been in contact with uh, Michal Martin and Simon Coveney, Irish ambassador, and uh, some local TDs. And today, we haven't even received a phone call. Okay. And how many people would be coming through at that border area where you are? 
where we were there, there was up to about fifteen to sixteen hundred people coming daily. Um, in the last week, things have changed because they have a lot of sickness has hit the centre, especially with young kids that have been hospitalised. Um, the mayor of Polish has decided that it's going to be scaled back to a number around five hundred daily. Right. The, rema- the remainder of those people that will that won't be able to get to the centre will be going straight into the, the uh, train station and they'll be moved on up towards the north of Poland. Okay, that ca- but that kind of makes sense to get them to a train station, doesn't it, and up north? Yes, but um, the, the setback for some of those people is that they may not want to travel there, they may want to travel further into Europe, to different countries, and maybe on Ireland where they won't get that opportunity if they don't come to the the centre in Polish. Okay. It's, uh, the lads were telling me that families were getting stranded. What, what, talk to me about that. As I told you, we, we were flying out um, families from the centre to Dublin Airport, from Poznan Airport or Krakow. Um, two new girls um, from Middleton arrived here last Sunday and we were short the flights. Um, we flew some people to Stansted in the UK as those, these people don't have um, visas, the UK refused to use a transit for them. They wouldn't allow them to continue their journey to Dublin because they didn't have visas. Now, we have been in contact... Who paid for those the, flights? We've paid for them through what? funds that are coming into our um, account, our GoFundMe account. OK, but you're getting no government help. We're getting no government whatsoever. We tried, we spoke with um, Simon Corbyn's office and other officials, and the email we got back was it was, a, it was a, an issue for the immigration authorities in the UK and for the ambassador in the UK. Yeah, but that's fine regarding the Stansted issue, but for all of the other work that you're doing on the border, you're getting no help. We are getting no help whatsoever, Neil. Okay. Nothing whatsoever. Okay. Simon Coveney's in Ukraine at the moment. Are you aware of that? No, I'm aware of that, and uh, I just spoke to my colleague in the Ukraine earlier this morning, and um, he said Simon Coveney will be actually passing this centre on his way to the airport and to know if any hope that we could get him to call in because this is the first place that he would see um, refugees coming into a transit camp from the Ukraine. Okay. And a lot of people that are coming in with the last few days are coming from Mariupol, and they're very stressed, they have very little clothing, they're hungry, they're frightened, and they're in a desperate state. And, and are, you know, are you talking with them? Yes, the people are talking to them on the ground. Okay. Yes. And are they asking to be helped to get to Ireland? You were telling me yeah. that the last time they were asking for Ireland specifically. There is. And, and we have a number of families that I spoke to last night that we got in. They're in Prampton Care Home above in Galway. That's where they have been housed. And we have a number of families that are in Trebulligan. And they are more looking to go to Ireland. But at the moment, we have funds to get them there, but it's it's voluntary, but we don't have any help to, to get them there from the Irish government. Okay. okay. At the, and at the moment, we have volunteers at our desk. We have two volunteers leaving Sunday. We hope to have two to replace them. Now, there is talks about opening up another centre in Lviv or down in Kiev, but I don't see it happening in Kiev because I would not expect to send civilian people, volunteers, into those areas because it's still a war zone. It would be an active war zone, yeah. Not a safe place for any zone. volunteers to be. No, I, I spoke yeah. with one of the people last night. 
there is talks that in Medica is which the border they're, they're coming from, from the Ukraine to cross into Poland, that there is talks maybe setting up an Irish desk there with volunteers again. So that when they, that's their first point of contact. How long? That we could, yeah, but how long do you expect to stay there? As long as we have volunteers, Neil, we will stay there. The people will stay there. As long as we have volunteers, all we need is volunteers just to process a ticket and move them on to the train and then they head on to Dublin. And are you looking for people to become volunteers and to go out to you? We are looking for people that, any people that can come to help at the desk. You don't have to be a brain spare. It's only processing with a laptop, processing tickets, gives them some information about Ireland. We have all the information printed out for them in Ukrainian so they will understand before they make up their minds if they want to travel to Ireland but most of them do want to travel to Ireland. Okay, and how can somebody who wants to get involved and go and help you get in touch? Well, they can contact me personally and I have a, a team that's working out there and we can give them all the information. And can I give out your 086 number? You can. 086-056-331. That's right. Okay, me. I'll give it out. Now, in any person that will be travelling out, of course, will have to cover their own costs of flying and, and accommodation. Accommodation is reasonable enough to their own... 50 to 50 euros per night. No? Yeah, okay. So they have to be able to fend for themselves. Okay. You, you're, you're aware yes. there's a bit of pushback at home with regards to Ukrainian refugees arriving, considering the state of the country and how many Irish people find that, you know, their own lives fairly intolerable as it is. Do you have any response to that? Well, I'm well aware of that, Neil. I'd be up to date and everything be happening back at home. I'm well aware of there's probably people looking for houses. I know all that. But these people are running from their homes. These people are running for their lives with a bag up to their back and a kid strapped to their front and maybe a kid hanging off their back. Mm. These people are fleeing. Mm. Mm. Okay. These people are fleeing. All right, and John. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I understand the situation. All It's not good either. Maybe, I don't know. I think I, what I'm hearing, there's about 25,000 people gone from Ukraine to Ireland at the moment. And if this keeps going... And it looks this going this, this this war is going to continue. I can see it continuing for a long time. Yeah. I don't know how many's going to be up There could be two hundred thousand people. In well, that figure has been mentioned two hundred thousand, but how accurate it will be, yeah. only time will tell. Good to catch up with you, John O'Brien. I'll give out your mobile, but do stay in touch. All right. I appreciate it, Neil, and thanks for all your help. Not at all. If anybody Thank wants you. to get in Bye-bye. touch with John O'Brien, it's uh, 086 uh, 056 3331. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national, and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Now, when I talk about uh, pushback, in spite of the great work that many people are doing, and you heard there the Red Cross talking about the amount of people who are taking uh, uh, refugees into their homes. Mind you, they did touch on a figure in the news there of the amount of people who have have changed their minds. Uh, But I got a text in, and I get all sorts of different texts that obviously have to be checked, and you got to research them and drill into what people are claiming. But this one said, are you aware that Cork City Council recently voted to release a number of local authority properties to house Ukrainian refugees? This proves what most of us have already known. During the worst housing and homelessness crisis in the history of the state, our officials were allowing local authority properties paid by the taxpayer to go idle for so long. How many Irish families could have been housed in these homes and why weren't they allocated in in a timely fashion? 
if I was a conspiratorial persuasion type person, I might think this practice was being carried out purposely to increase demand. Um, to meet this manufactured demand, local authority officials conspire to sell public land to private developers at fractions of the true value on the understanding that they will build for public consumption, uh, says Richie. Uh, the point, anyway, that interested me with regards to the tax was Cork City Council recently voted to release a number of local authority properties to house Ukrainian refugees. I can find absolutely no evidence of that, Richie. So if you have evidence of that, please present it to me because I would like to know. Uh, or is it just something you heard from somebody? Can you back it up? What I can tell you, having looked at it yesterday and, and spoke with a couple of uh, city councillors, they're saying that no properties have been uh, um, set aside uh, by the local authority to house refugees from Ukraine. Zero properties. What did happen, though, was the following. Uh, They expect numbers of people coming from Ukraine into Cork to continue to increase. There was a a council meeting on Monday night where the chief executive uh, outlined uh, to councillors the state of play and Anne Doherty spoke of um, the fact that since March... 31st, she has had three requests from the department requesting Cork City Council to make ready 225 emergency rest beds uh, for uh, incoming refugees. Um, and the stats then, I'm reading from a court report from The Echo actually, said that on Saturday night, the 2nd of April, 73 Ukrainians arrived and were assigned to selected accommodation. And then a further group of 68 arrived and were assigned to a second location on Saturday the 9th. She said, adding that the council is currently on standby to receive a further 75. So 73, 68 and a further 75. Um, That's city council's part of it. Now, there would be other refugees coming into Cork, of course, that would be going to people's homes or um, to homes that they've been given by people. You know, I dealt with them on the air, particularly around uh, you know, stories from, from West Cork of people given over holiday homes and what have you. So the numbers are 73, 68 and soon to come 75. Um, one uh, chap got in touch with my programme two days ago saying, why aren't you talking about the fact that people who were being housed in emergency accommodation or in hotel bedrooms were moved out? to make way for Ukrainian refugees. And I said, okay, where was that? And we'll check that out. And he was making the point that it was in the commons. So it seems to me from conversations this morning that uh, refugees are being homed at the moment in rooms and in beds in Trebogan and also in the commons in Blackpool. So we contacted the commons in and they confirmed that they do have a number of Ukrainian families who have moved into the facility in recent weeks put there by Cork City Council and that some of those already staying there have been moved out um, and that it's on the council you know, it's the council's responsibility to move people in and for people who had been in the commons to be moved out somewhere else they say they have provided the facility to the council without any prejudice and they are not involved in who gets use of their facilities and who gets moved in or who gets moved out Uh, They say that they simply provide facilities to Cork City Council who have moved people around to maximise room occupancy. Um, Like if you could have, you might have had one person in a room there where four could sleep or two people in a room there where six could sleep. They would move those people out so that four or six Ukrainians could go into that room. Um, 
but they say that none of the people who were moved from the hotel have been made homeless. So that's as much as I can tell you. As to where those that were staying and put there in emergency accommodation in the Commons were moved to, I don't know. Uh, but the Commons is there to provide the service to Cork City Council, but it's Cork City Council makes the call on who goes there, who gets moved out, but I wasn't able to find out as to where those that were moved from the Commons were moved to. Text 0868104106. We got calls on the way. Let me just talk to Dennis. Actually, he's got a bit of a predicament. Uh, he's a big Eagles fan by all accounts, and so am I. Dennis, good morning. Good morning, Liz. This is somewhat related to the conversation I just had there with the listeners, but you're going to see the Eagles in the Aviva 24th of June. On the 24th of June, yeah. Okay, okay. So you, and, uh, just uh, incidentally, is you won't have Glenn Frey there. W- will you have Joe Walsh? Oh, you'll have him, Malich, uh, definitely. All right, okay. That's um, going to be some gig. But anyway, so you, you were doing all the bookings and the organising, yeah? Well, we did that, yeah. My son, my son Paul, did all that, and he got uh, an email yesterday to say that the booking was cancelled because the hotel was being given out to the people from the Ukraine. So they so just I said, we're, we're giving you your money back, is it? No, well, we didn't pay any money you pay when you get up there. All right. You know? Okay. That's, that was the deal. But we had it booked for months once we got the tickets for the Eagles, which was probably back last June or July. And then we started booking hotel. And the hotel we booked was the Abbey Hotel which is right in the city centre. Mightn't be, <laughs> mightn't be much of a hotel now. Okay, but it's, it's handy. It's handy for where you want to go. Where's the it's gig? It's very handy, just for the one night. The gig's the Aviva, so you'd kind of walk that, wouldn't you? Ah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But I mean, it was very disappointing to find out then yesterday that it was just cancelled, and that was the reason that the, ma- the owner of the hotel was handing over all the rooms to the the people from the Ukraine. Okay. Is it a big hotel? Are there, are there many rooms? It's not really. I, I haven't stayed there, but I've passed it. It's exactly where the, the Lewis stops from. Okay. I know Abbey Street. Just yeah. Off, yeah there's just Abbey. off O'Connell Street there, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a Lewis stop there. So, that's that like they're saying, sorry, it's Well, gone. that is that. And then, my son then tried to get another hotel. And my God, the prices are just incredible. Actually, he got onto another few hotels I don't know which one of no it is, but he got the same answer that these were booked for the the people from the Ukraine as well. Okay, so some of the hotels that he rang to replace the booking that was cancelled at the Abbey told him the same thing. Oh, this very same thing, Neil. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then of course, so the hotels uh, are going to be paid by the Irish state to take the. Well, that's that's the point I'm saying to me. That's what I was going to ask you. Are the Irish government actually paying, or the taxpayer actually, are actually paying the owners of these hotels to give oh, their rooms out? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Should they're a business? Yeah. That's incredible. That's just. Yeah. Oh, no, they'd be, and, and they probably are paid a handy room rate for it as well. Otherwise, they wouldn't do I it. I could imagine. Yeah. I, I think we were charged, um, I think it was 60 euros each, three of us, three beds in the room, okay. which, is, which is grand. Okay. And actually, my son. Um, try to book other places and honestly the prices are I just told your researcher there there was one hotel and they wanted for the one night three beds it was 900 and something euros ah, that's for, for that night for the week surely no <laughs> you would think so wouldn't you <laughs> no, 900 no. plus for one I, room honestly yeah yeah honestly and there was another got another place then which was a uh, 
10 miles outside the city, which would have cost us maybe 120 euros in taxis. Good To get God. out and back, you know, it's... Good God, you'd be, I mean, you'd be better off getting the bus home, you know, the go bus. <laughs> that's, that's, that would be an option if we, had, yeah. Or get but the other thing then, I was saying it to the other as well. The last train down from Dublin is nine o'clock. That is ridiculous. Stupid. Well, I think it's ridiculous. Should they, surely should they be a train at 11 o'clock, you know? And should I think be, they used to be at once there. There should be the midnight train to Cork every night. There should be midnight train to Georgia, maybe. <laughs> what, are gonna, so what are you going to do? So we don't know, Neil. We just have to keep trying to get somewhere, you know? What time is uh, the my, last no, air coach? No, what time is the last, air, no, is the last air coach? I don't know that. I think they have one fairly late, you know? I booked the air yeah. coach yesterday for the two of us to get a flight out of Dublin Airport in the back mm-hmm. end sometime in May. Sixteen euro one way. It's fantastic. Oh, it's fantastic. The air coach. I guess my Steve. wife did it there a few years ago. We were going to a castle. We and up to the Dublin Airport in the bus, and it was brilliant. They're coming back. <coughs> excuse me. They're coming back. Pathless. A bit tiring, all right, you know. Yeah, but you That'd could have it. You could have a kip, like, but imagine if you were, oh, yeah. if you drove up and you went and had to park your car up there for a week or 10 days, cost you a fortune. Just get the air. Fortune. I, I've never fortune. actually done it. I'm looking forward to doing the air coach. But anyway, from back to your outrageous prices. Um, yeah. You, you, any hotel you try and get now at this stage in Dublin is going to be bananas money. Oh, sure. Mad. Absolutely. It's, it's just ridiculous. And, I don't know where they get the prices from. They just pick them over the air. And, you know, and and are you are you critical of of refugees coming in and all of the hotels been taken over? Well, or? I I now I would be critical of the amount that are coming in. I think that we we won't be able to handle it. This this country will be shocking in two years' time yeah. if we keep going the way we're going. Because and I would advise ma- any young any young person anybody, and I've heard you actually I listen to your show every day, and you're giving people the same advice, young people that have a trade or whatever. You have to get out of this country. This I, country I, I, I really believe that. I think this is a good time yeah. for people to look at other parts of the world. It is a great time. It's a great time. I think to it's get a great time. I think, I think young people should travel anyway, but I think this would I be agree, a good yeah. time because, you know, you're not going to find somewhere to live. You won't be able to pay the rents. You'll be just working to survive. There'll be very little enjoyment here for a while. Get out and see the world. Get out and see the world. But the other thing, and as I say, I, I wouldn't be critical of the refugees coming in here, but. I can understand how they can get accommodation straight away when there's people 13 years on the waiting list. But they're not getting homes, though, you see, Dennis. They're only getting rooms in There's still people sleeping on the streets, Neil, and these people that are coming into the country have rooms, at least. They have a bed. Yeah, you know, I know. They but, have look a bed. The, but look what they're fleeing from, you know. I mean, oh, I understand that. War, I understand. You're having a bit of grief over an Eagles concert, like they're like. Could you imagine? Ah, yeah, actually, my my this trip, my my yeah. complaint is trivial. To be honest, I yeah. I know that. Yeah. But I mean, you came up there. There was the last week, the week before about this woman. She was in an emergency accommodation with four kids. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the Red Cross, or whoever it was, arrived, gave out passes to the. They did. Yeah, and, to- and toys and boys, boys to- toys and balls and all sorts of things to the Ukrainian that's kids. An absolute. Just could you, I just could not imagine anybody doing that. Well, that's, that's what the woman told me on air, with her own eyes. I, I believe her, I yeah. believe her. Yeah. I just couldn't imagine how anybody could do that to any child. 
to pass them on and give them to the child next one is just anyway how can how can wondering. any hotel even justify over 900 euro for a room okay there yeah, are three single yeah. beds in it for one three night three single beds yeah good god it's and anyway and, yeah and, and there's a, another knock on but this is probably irrelevant when you think of people fleeing from war but many of the hotels then maybe right across the summer will be gone for tourists they'll be taken off oh, by definitely. Yeah. oh yeah. yeah I'd say no the, the big major hotels wouldn't do it, you know. I'd imagine this place that we were going to stay in, the Abbey Hotel, wouldn't be wouldn't be up to much, to be honest. So what are you going to Looking do? From the outside. What's the plan? Um, I suppose, as you said, they have the bus up and down in the same day, you know. That's the only thing that's open to us now at the moment. Yeah, because you don't want to you don't want to pay so you don't want to be scalped to the hotel room for I five, six hundred, seven hundred. I don't mind paying a bit over the odds, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you Actually, didn't want anybody you know, to make we, a we, fool of you. Either. We were talking about, just before I let you go, you might find this interesting. We were doing some work there uh, over the last week because I was doing more on holidays at home versus holidays overseas. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a buddy of mine said to me, you know what? You know what you should try and do? You should try and rent a car in Cork for a day, just for one <sighs> <Yeah>. day, right? Because <laughs> he said to me, he said to me that he was charged or would have been charged something like 650 euro for a car for the day, Right. Yeah. So I was listening to that. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So we did actually research. I'll come back to it in more detail later. But we did research uh, car rental companies in Cork to rent a car aged over twenty five with a lot of driving experience for a twenty four hour period, um, and we got onto Europe Car. And if you rent mm-hmm. a Europe Car in the city for a twenty four hour period for a Ford Fiesta, it's five hundred. <laughs> it's it's five hundred and twenty six euro. For the day, a Ford uh, a, a Ford Kuga is seven hundred and fifty-seven euro for the day. We got onto we got onto Hertz. Um, they were cheaper, but still ridiculous money. Um, ridiculous. A Peugeot, two hundred and sixty-five euro for the day. We got onto Sixt. Do you know Sixt? S i x t. Yes, yes, yes. To get a, a Ford car from Sixt at the airport for a day. 511 euro for the, oh di- God, oh, for the day for the day that's incredible and if you go to Spain you get you get you get a, a car for 60 euros a day 30 30 yeah that's a small car yeah, yeah small car <laughs> 30 euro a day something like 30 or 40 in Portugal <laughs> yeah my son-in-law and my daughter are going on holidays in five weeks time they're hiring out a car for uh, three days and uh, there's something like 120 euros <laughs> for three days. For three days, yeah. And that's that's uh, a jeep he's getting. It's uh, oh, I can give you prices on on jeeps if you want. <laughs> Hold on a second. I think everyone hears some. A Hyundai Tucson. Would that be one? Yeah. Carhard. Yeah, yeah. Carhard.com at the at Cork Airport. One thousand three hundred and sixty <laughs> euro for the day. <laughs> I remember not so long ago, Neil. You could buy a car for that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, in, is that's incredible. incredible. All right, my man. Listen, get the air coach. <laughs> I think that's our only option, yeah. All right, yeah. enjoy the gig. Yeah. Take care. Okay, Neil. I got a lovely text and somebody's actually on the air coach now. Hi, Neil. We're actually listening to you on the air coach to Dublin now. Great service and very cheap. I'm looking forward to it. Keep it nice and clean for me, will you? Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. I have Mario Rosenstock in studio in about 10 minutes' time. Eileen, good morning. 
Hi, good morning, Neil. Thanks for you? holding. Sorry if you keep me for so long. <laughs> no, what, what, what happened? No, the same thing happened there. That was that gentleman that yes. happened to my son there. Um, I, I suppose, you know, his first concert, I think after two and a half years of lockdown. Oh, God. You don't know. It wasn't the Eagles. It was another gig in Dublin, was it? No, 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 no. Right. He younger. Yeah, I wouldn't have a clue. Okay. Um, but he he went anyway two weeks ago, but he had his accommodation booked, I'd say, two months in advance. And um, the only thing he saw then was on his um, on his bank statement or whatever to say that money was just put back into his account. And he was, oh, what's the story here? Yeah. He had paid for his accommodation. Yeah. And he emails them and they said, oh, um, yeah, we have given the accommodation his been, you know, sent out to, you know, refugees or whatever, and um, not even, you know, not even a, a, a warning or anything like, okay. and money back, and yeah, sorry about that. Like. Okay, what hotel was that, do you know? I actually don't know. Okay, but it was another Dublin know. hotel who just said, yeah. oh, now, is it that they're getting a higher rate from the government? Oh, well, they must be. They must be getting something. They're definitely not doing it for nothing. Like, and I mean, these are paid. You know, paid paid up two months. See, in the he paid so, I mean, the money. He actually paid. Oh, paid, paid. So they have yeah. a contract with him. Yeah, paid the money. So how can and they the just say, done? "Sorry, we're giving you your money back. We don't want to do business with you." Because we're doing yeah. business. Well, like a, like that makes well they didn't even they didn't even say that. They only just put the money into his account. They didn't even say that. Okay. Until and he went to clear it. Okay. Any idea yeah. what the room rate was? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But I mean, but but then I mean, you you had the other side. But then he booked eventually. Anyway, they they got another hotel, um, and booked. And the next thing, booking dot com, there was uh, something with the accommodation, but. They looked after it. They got some um, different accommodation. They actually upgraded them this time yeah. to a four star. So they got a breakfast with it. Right. So, you know, I mean, that but was the, the other But the rebooking, was that more expensive than the original booking? No, it was around the same time. Around it, the same. it was around the same. No, it wasn't a huge amount. Okay. Yeah. I'm just you know? wondering are hotels but, doing yeah. this because the government are paying above the odds room rate? And if so, know. what I mean, are they paying for each room? I I know. I mean, they're 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 getting paid. The, you know, the rate that they asked for anyway. Like, some they should be happy with that. Like, <laughs> yeah, know? the room is gone. It's been booked. It's yeah, your son's. Absolutely. He's paid for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think I think as well. I mean, with Booking dot com, haven't once you have contact made, they have to stand by that, or they have to get you more a different accommodation. They have to. Yeah, absolutely. But in, the, in, the, in your case, none of this happened. No, nor did it no, happen in the case no. of Dennis. No, no. And I mean, that's not fair. Like, I mean, that's, and that could be happening. There's a lot of concerts now coming up, like, and I mean, that's going to happen to a lot of people. They're going to be left, you know, with, with no accommodation. And I mean, we've, you know, we've been waiting now long enough now for these events, like, and, you know, we don't, you know, that's not fair either. Like. Yeah, I'd love to know what the, um, they, they say, yeah, it, they yeah. say that it would be, it should be surplus hotel rooms and facilities. Um, yeah, well, you know, yeah. a bit like, a bit like, remember, they took up, a, they took up an awful lot of hotel yeah. rooms during the pandemic, remember? Yes, yeah, but yeah. But this is yeah. different to surplus. But, this is just saying, oh, we're cancelling your booking and we're giving it to yeah. somebody else yeah. instead. Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's it anyway. Okay, thanks for that. <laughs> Appreciate right. it. If anybody else has any stories of bookings being cancelled, do get in touch. Text 0868 104 106. So there is an amount of, of pushback. And you know, it has to be broadcast because otherwise you're just involved in, in censorship. Yesterday we were chatting with taxi drivers with regards to people parking in all of their spots, particularly on a Sunday where it's like the Wild West in town. Everybody parks and well, 
motorists take up all of the taxi spaces and just park up there because they know they're not going to get a fine. Taxis love to give out about people parking in their spots. But what about the taxi drivers who stay on double yellow lines while the taxi rank is just full and they overflow out onto the roads? Not to mention the majority of taxi drivers who have this mentality of, I drive for a living so I can do what I want on the road. Another one, moan, moan, moan is all they're good for. Like any taxi driver you put on air. Well, you don't know all about it if they weren't around, I can tell you. How about the taxis that block buses at bus stops, particularly the central one before the allotted time of midnight to 5 a.m.? Ask them why they block bus stops. Give me a break. Traffic wardens on a Sunday will have every sympathy for taxi drivers. Do they not see the big picture that people are parking in town on Sundays because parking is free? Uh, I went to pick up my daughter from work on the South Mile and there was nowhere to pull in. I got blown off the road by a car behind me, Suzanne. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. But parking is free in places where you're allowed to park. That does not include loading bays, does it? Certainly doesn't include taxi ranks. So keep this coming. Text 0868104106. Heard you talking about passports being speeded up. I've been waiting for six months for my child's first passport application and still no answer. Can something please be done? I just can't book anything or go anywhere because of it. Six months already. And that is a lot. Thank you for that. Oh, there's a, and there's also a lovely uh, thank you email that came in. I'm wondering if you get an opportunity, could you possibly thank a girl called Abby who came to my Nana's assistance when she fell recently outside the Mercy, Mercy Hospital. My Nan has had a recent knee replacement operation and went to see my granddad or went with my granddad to visit her brother in the hospital on the day. She slipped on a lighter slipped on a lighter outside the Mercy Hospital and when she came out. She hit her knee, her head, her arm and her wrist. Now, it's her grandmother now. Uh, she was unable to get up. Three men came to her aid and helped her, along with a girl called Abby. My granddad wasn't able to help my nan. He suffers with health and mobility and he told me that they were so grateful that this girl was there. She got a wheelchair for my nan and went with them, Abby, to the A&D. My granddad, in the confusion, forgot to lock the car and had his windows down, she very kindly took his keys and locked the car up for him. I can tell you they both got an awful fright. But my nan said Abby was just wonderful and so, so helpful. Um, they never got a full name, but she works in the Mercy. So I'd like to thank her personally for her family for helping them if she'd like to get in touch with you. And also thank you to the three men who helped get her back on her feet. And that's from Haley, a granddaughter Haley. Um, so, Abby at the Mercy, well done for your intervention. You took a lot of time. You put an awful lot of care and attention and help into that uh, into that fall uh, and the elderly couple whose age you came to. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I think Haley would like to thank you directly, but I'd also like to give you a 50 euro voucher for Roosters Piri Piri because I have 50 euro vouchers to give away for good deeds and calls, great calls on air. So we'll be doing all of that uh, next week. So get in touch with me, Abby, or if anybody knows Abby at the Mercy, because I want to sort out a 50 euro voucher for your good deed uh, for Roosters Piri Piri. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. I tell you. I was telling you earlier this morning about Jack the dog at home being able to get an Easter egg out of a bag of Easter eggs. Big Easter egg, right? Get it absolutely 100% out of all of the cardboard packaging. Then take all of the tinfoil off the entire thing and eat it. And he didn't die. They say dogs die if they eat chocolate. I don't believe it's toxic to dogs. I've always said it because he's gone around hale and hearty. About two hours later, full of chocolate, right? 
full up with chocolate, buzzing from the stuff. He decides then to open the little case that has my two ear pods in it, takes one out and chews it to bits, absolutely to shreds. So an interesting day with the dog. But it reminded me of a story then that makes the mail online. They were talking about calamities in the home, right? And an insurance company came out and gave, gave the main reason that people make an insurance claim in 2021 and 2022. You're not going to believe it. It is dropping your phone down the toilet. Insurers reveal dropping your phone down the toilet is the most common claim, followed by things like leaving your phone in a taxi, having the dog eat it, um, putting the phone on the table and it vibrates off. No, not on the table, actually. Putting your phone when you're in the bath up on the side of the bath and it vibrates yeah, I don't, along I don't the understand bath. this show at the end of the day no <laughs> all credit to disasters I don't understand this maybe show maybe I'm not explaining it properly Roy. this is an absolutely weird show at the end of the day they're throwing your t- phones all credit to telecommunications <laughs> throwing your phones down the toilets dogs eating Mars bars what the hell is going on <laughs> me chihuahua ate me Toblerone and Toker the dog ate an entire how what the hell has happened to this show this show has turned into Liveline on steroids <laughs> Karaoke Lifeline Karaoke Lifeline Lifeline Karaoke I don't understand it This show used to be respected Just to be a current affairs milestone Now it's an absolute disgrace There's so much doom and gloom I'm trying to put on a bright Happy feel about it Jesus God My dog ate me a packet of Smarties Down the toilet While on the phone But they do With his earbuds He ripped the earbuds out of my head At the end of the day What's the dog listening to Spotify for? Well he wasn't He thought it was a sweet I assume I mean, he must have been on a rush. Having, no. I mean, how can any? How can no, a dog? No, I'm sorry, I ever went to live over in Manchester. This place is deteriorated. <laughs> this place has gone to the dogs. Get him literally, off the, get it's gone him to off. the dogs. Get him off the air. Is that more doom know. and gloom radio? Actually, talking about people who went overseas. You hear the Killian Murphy left London yes. because, because his kids were getting a posh. English accent and he moved the kids to Dublin <laughs> so now they have posh Dublin accents I don't know where to go with that Neil <laughs> I don't know where Roy would go with that ah oh, Jesus, good old Killian anyway how's it going it's great to see you, you it's great too. to see you how you know was what? the opera house last night the opera house was fantastic last night your producer was reminding me of something that happened in the opera house last night there's a bit in the show where Daniel roots a mammy out of the audience <laughs> he goes in to celebrate mammies and he gets a mammy out of the audience and I pulled a mammy out of the audience just random and I said what's your name and she said Magella. <laughs> the woman. What are the chances? Magella, of all the chances, right? Oh my God. Something weird happens every what night. What do you make them do when you get them up on I can't day? tell you that, Neil. I can't you don't ta- hypnotize them or anything. No, up. not at all. I not hear ki- you get them to pretend that they're flat to playing a flute. Yeah, there's a, bit, a bit, there's a bit of that going on in another stage of the show. Last night as well, there was a. I roasted Dahi O'Shea. I do this kind of. <laughs> I do this kind of version of the Rose of Shirley, which kind of goes back to 1954. So How does da- it go? So good. So Dahi's, tra- Dahi's treating all the girls like they're cattle and sheep. So he's like, here, here, come on, go, go, suck, 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 He's there. He starts shouting back up at me. There. What, what, the, hell you th- what the hell do you think you're doing, boy? <laughs> I, and I, he was obviously he was you know he was he was taking it well, right? But I thought for a second there was going to be a Chris Rock Will Smith. I was moment. just thinking that. I thought he was going to come up and box the lights out of me. You and should have set it up. The tension in the room, Neil, was palpable <laughs> when I was roasting Daisy. But listen, I, for, I didn't know this, but I forgot that we went to the same school. Uh, who? You and me. We did. I Ashton. Told you, yes, yeah, and I told you that years ago. But did we compare teachers and all that? No, I was. I think I was ahead of. So you, you were in the sixties, were you? And no, the <laughs> 70s, not too far 70s. off. So Mr. Bond, was That's he right. there? 
JVP Bond. Yeah, and Mr. Payne. <laughs> yes. But Mr. Daunt wasn't there, was he? Yes. He was. Oh, yeah. Oh, I had Mr. Daunt. All of the teachers at Ashton were there since oh, the 40s. Jesus. And everybody called Hosford and all <laughs> this right. sort of stuff. Mr. Hosford. Hosford. In their long black gowns. Everybody was called Hosfords. There was about eight Hosfords in my class. <laughs> but I remember the first day I went to school, I came down from Dublin, so I was the Jackine. <laughs> and I remember there was two, these two fellas um, called Mark Fuller and Alan Buttermore. <laughs> and they were like the, the ne'er do wells in school, the sort of like sit, sit with their arses, you know, sliding off the, the seats. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And uh, I remember walking by them and I didn't clue where I was. Like, I was like, there is no one, there's no flair. <laughs> and I didn't clue what a flair was, but apparently it was a very nice thing or whatever, right? But it's, it's nice great. if you can get it. It's nice if you can get it when you were 16. <laughs> so I spent my formative years here, Neil, uh, 14 to 17, did my leaving cert in Ashton. And, uh, you know, you know, I was going to say sold my wild oats, but we'll say had chips in Lennox's. They had, um, they had to get me out of Ashton because I was learning nothing. I was having way too much fun. So they moved me across the river to the North Mon. Now, that was a baptism of fire and the difference between Ashton, co-ed, Yes, hunky, indeed. And did Matt though. Cooper go there as well? Matt Cooper went there. Was he there at the same time as you? <laughs> he, was, he wasn't, though. No. Were you I not think, as brainy as him? I think he was. He probably was in the AG where the smart boys. Right. Was his, were his brains legendary? <laughs> He's an incredible brain. He really does. He really does. So yeah, I had a wonderful time and every time I come back to Cork... Uh, he should have set up the Dahi thing in advance where he did walk up on the stage, give you a dig and walk off again. It would have been brilliant. It would have been. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that throw you though? No, because I know that psychologically... You know that superstars go to your show. Well, so, <laughs> psychologically, Neil, I, I, before the show I go, anything could happen. And literally anything could happen. So from picking up a woman in the show called Magella yeah. to, I mean, there's, there's quite a lot of... Insulting Dahi O'Shea. Insulting Dahi O'Shea live and all that sort of stuff. And we have a live camera and the camera goes in and it was just an amazing atmosphere last night. And You're lucky the Keen wasn't in the audience. Well, he has been twice. What's that like? Oh, Jesus. Well, the one time he was in the audience, it was for a send-off we did to the... Uh, a send-off we did for the Republic of Ireland football team. And I, the capacity of the opera house is about 904. Mm. And I'd say there was about 988 people in the opera house. So 63 of them must be sitting on each other's knees. <laughs> but there was one seat at the very front free, a bit like a pontiff seat. And everybody was ready to go. The audience was electric. And finally, at the very end, Roy Keane walks in to sit at the front of the audience, the front pew. On his own? No. Uh, well, with the team oh, and everything, right. but that seat was free, oh, waiting for him yeah, yeah, yeah. to arrive. Oh, it was the team were the, the team, front. and the, and and then a huge crowd from Cork. Right, send off for 2016. And you've got, but I was first planned. on stage. Yeah, yeah. I was first on stage to be Roy Keane, <laughs> and I didn't know he was there. Right, so I started coming on, and I started telling the story. I think as Roy Keane of uh, your man's goal, Shane's goal against uh, Germany, and I started doing it right. Right, anyway, and Keane is there, literally chewing gum. <laughs> Staring at me like a fellow who's about to put a blindfold around my head and shoot me. And probably enjoying himself, but you can't Maybe, tell. maybe, but anyway, the crowd are not looking at me. They're all looking at Roy Keane. And I'm there. And all this, right? Then suddenly I start doing, Oh yeah, Robbie Keane, I start doing Robbie Keane. Keane, Roy burst out laughing when I started doing Robbie Keane. And as soon as I did Robbie Keane, the whole crowd burst out laughing because Roy had started to laugh. And once Roy laughs, Cork can laugh as well. You'd be lost without our Cork accents though. You really would. You'd be lost without Keane. You'd be lost without Rog. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be lost without Rog. I'd be lost without the incredible excitement that is in Rog's voice and the anticipation, the nervous energy, oh, the sense of ecstasy that's in Ronan's voice and just 
the electricity that comes out of him when he speaks it's just it's just incredible but yeah. all the voices that, that have come out of Cork I mean even coming even coming into the, the building today Neil it was just the you know the, the taxi drivers the mellifluous loquacious musical <laughs> sound and, and even the temperature machine that checked me outside it went you know in Dublin it goes 36.4 continue here it went 36.4 boil on boy <laughs> <laughs> So even the temperature machine has That's a little cock accent. Yeah, and you know, all of us love cock. You know, those of us who went to posh, you know, proddy schools like North Mon and, you know, the sort of out there places like Ashton. But some of us went to Perez. Real schools with real men who slapped each other's asses with towels. Was this... Was there something regarding Raj and a Grand Slam triple yes. crown? So during the sh- yes. So during the show, uh, during the show, Neil Raj comes out to the people of Cork and he says he's going to tell them the story in five minutes of the story of the Grand Slam in two thousand and nine and how he kicked the uh, thing. And, he do- and I do all the characters. I think at the I, same do, time. I think I have a clip here. I think this is Michael Corcoran's commentary oh, yeah. of this. Hang on a sec. Back towards Agara, the attempted drop goal outside the twenty-two towards the post. Agara, what a drop of goal! It's gone between the posts. Manon O'Gara between the posts after about 145 paces. O'Gara between the posts. Yeah. The referee has blown the full-time whistle. No <laughs> So Michael Corcoran is in my bit as well. Can you do Michael? Michael Corcoran, Ronan O'Gara, Paul O'Gara, I want to have your babies. I want to have your babies in the Sisters of Mercy Hospital. I am Munster, but glory, glory, Munster. I mean Ireland. I mean, because you see, when Ireland win anything, he hates Ireland. Michael Corcoran hates Ireland. He just loves Munster. So... He, he always he doesn't even bother mentioning the other players from Northern Ireland or, or Ulster on the team or Connacht it's just some lad from Ulster has the ball he gets the ball out to some lad from Connacht I've never seen him before now Ronan O'Gara gets the ball the glory of the red man from Munster he passes it over to Paul O'Connell to some langer from Leinster I've never seen him before a bit of a blowing he had that terrible pass back to Ronan O'Gara oh Ronan I love you so it's like that idea of um, you know he's just Klu Klux Munster oh my god where you get the energy or the electricity to do what you do Rod I get it from Raj. Um, yeah, so there's just, you know, there's loads of it. You know, there's, you know, of course, Boris Johnson is there as well on the show. It's a wonderful, wonderful show. And, you know, he's never going to resign. Never, ever, ever. He's going to stay in power longer than Frank Murphy. He's been in, been longer than Frank Murphy in the Cork GAA. He's going to be in power from 1913 till 1982. In spite of... 69 a, years in power. In spite of a prosecution of the British police who still stay in government. Unbelievable. I mean, there's more fines to come. I mean, I thought we only had the only Teflon Taoiseach in the shape of Bertie. They've got the equivalent or better, haven't they? Yeah, well, 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 well I, I think Boris is, 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 is following in my footsteps, to be honest with you. He's learned a, he's learned, he's learned a thing or two. There's, there's a thing I do, actually, Neil, in the first half of the show. It's the first 10 minutes of the show where I do 20 years of Irish politics in 10 minutes. Oh, that is. So it's presented by Miriam, genuinely. (laughs) You're looking really well, Neil. You're still working out. Um, North Mon boys, really lovely. Genuinely gorgeous. I think I got off with one once. Wasn't you? He didn't have grey hair. Um, And so I do 20 years of politics in 10 minutes. And it's like, it's obviously, it starts with with Bertie and all the money and the Kelsey Tiger and all that. And then, of course, we fall into the recession. So it's. 
and then it uh, transforms that we need a period of austerity Neil and oh, of course you have good. ended and boom boom you know yeah. and of course you know I was a political suppository of course Neil Ireland needed me even if I was a terrible pain <laughs> in the hole uh, but anyway and then after that of course we had a special minister for finance ah oh, yeah of course we did we had a lovely minister for finance who looked like a human testicle <laughs> <laughs> sorry I shouldn't have said that I'd probably get cancelled for saying that and we had billings and billings and billings and billings and we had other spectacular ministers as well can I just say Neil that I imploded on the austerity thing I put the cuts that were needed onto the people and so then we needed somebody newer fresher maybe gayer so thanks for that uh, Neil it's great to be here in the studio uh, great to see that uh, you're, 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 you're flying and you're wearing your lovely um, was that Fred Perry t-shirt up to the top uh, probably a knockoff uh, that's a knockoff yeah it's really nice and of course I'm delighted to be uh, you know, well I was Cizhik I'm Tonish but I will be Cizhik again and of course Pascal Donahue has been a star as well well thank you very much for saying that and it's an absolute honour to be here Neil and um, you're looking resplendent in black I must say and a uh, great article by the way about dogs eating marath bars and toilets and if I might say I will be offering a £50 voucher for Roosters Piri Piri to everybody listening to Red <laughs> FM today if you might give me an L Roosters Piri Piri I'd be delighted Ian thank you very much I love you. I love cock. I love cock. Love cock. Love cock. Billions and billions and billions. Billions and billions and billions and billions. I could listen to that all Billions and billions and billions. <laughs> and as I started up there to see when we had billions, and then it went down when we only had one billion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, it's great to be here, Neil. And just rolling out the old... Oh, God, Magella last night. Do you know what? I got a woman up on stage last week... And I said, what's your name? And she said, Ingrid. And I said, where are you from? And she said, South Africa. She said, I haven't a clue who you are. <laughs> and I went, what do you do, love? And she went, I'm a horse physiotherapist. <laughs> Just like, how do you do? A horse physiotherapist. <laughs> so, what's she doing at the gig? Exactly, I think her husband her. dragged her along to it. <laughs> She'd be better off at a Garth Brooks gig. He's exactly. coming to town. But he's coming to town, and I do him in the show as oh, well. Do you? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do Garth Brooks, and I do a little song by Garth Brooks. Can you play anything? Uh, I could play a little bit of, of piano. Uh, <laughs> not much good to me he doesn't play piano no he doesn't so why does he ask me <laughs> Jesus Christ uh, so I love Cork and that's the show and who's in and how oh yeah this morning even Neil so I get so excited about coming to Cork that this morning's gift grub was about Cork do you, know you broadcast in Cork this morning yeah. or did you come down from the yeah. do you know what it was about I'd love to know it was about, about um, it was about this, the controversy that's going on about where will Cork play their monster semi-final match when against Kerry when will they play it so Des Cahill was on and he was he was saying uh, they're, they're meant to be they're, they're meant to be playing in where we're parking grief okay but Ed Sheeran as a concert in parking grief so the Cork players wanted it to be in parking ring but the Munster Council of the GGA wanted it to be in Fitzgerald Stadium but Cork were having none of that because they were they're playing away so they need a kind now people are talking about Semple Stadium and all that sort of stuff so I did a thing Ed Sheeran is playing Parky and Ed Sheeran ended up singing a song of his a version of his song The A-Team which I called the Cork GAA team. <laughs> <laughs> who's out? Who's in? Fitzgerald Stadium, Parky Rin, Kerry Cork, who will win? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was They could that. always just have the match and then the end cheering gig, you know. A well, double header. A double header. Or, why don't they just have 40,000 people in Parky Creeve 
have the match and put Ed Sheeran in the middle doing the music at the same time. <laughs> what was it? So have the cork for, it was a Kerry fella. David Clifford has the ball. David Clifford has the ball. He, he bangs into Ed Sheeran. He has a guitar in his hand. David Clifford has a guitar. He smacks the ball into the back of the net with Ed Sheeran's guitar. <laughs> you could do the both at the same time. There was the text of him. Kerry texted me and said, I don't know why you keep going on about where this match will be played. We would play Cork on the beach at Trabulgan. We'd put Ed Sheeran at centre forward and we still bait Cork by 20 well, points. Well, as Pat Spallan <laughs> said, I don't care where you play it. I don't care where you play it, Neil. You can play it in Roy Keane's back garden in Mayfield, wherever I care. Or you can play it in the Temple Lake or Tavern or Planet Pluto. Cork, Kerry would put 30 points on them. And that's what David Clifford blindfold. I'd love to have his babies, by the way. <laughs> You're in rare form, boy. I don't know how you keep it up, in fairness. It's Cork. You're it's Cork. It's Cork. I mean, if you thought cork. all those years ago knocking around Ashton that you'd be selling out the Cork Opera House, would you uh, believe that? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all, Neil. That's a nice question, actually, because yeah. it brings me back to my days. Think in, in, about it. Yeah, I did. I have thought about it. And I think about that guy that I told you about, Stephen Daunt. Because we did um, a play called Death of a Salesman, Willie Loman and all oh, that. Oh, that's fabulous. And it was, you know the way sometimes... Was that what started a few? Yeah, yeah, it was. Wow. And actually, I was in the play with um, another uh, well-known Corkonian, um, Camille O'Sullivan. Oh, you're joking And me. Camille and I were in the same class. And we were in the same, we were in the same class in boarding school. And um, she played uh, My Mistress in it. Go away. Yeah. And... I just think back to all those years ago and look how far things yeah. have come. But did you have another path in mind? I mean, serious now, incidentally. Yeah. Go, like, was this some kind of a sidebar flow but turned into a career? No. Um, really, like, my, my folks wanted me to be a, a lawyer because I used to give them an awful pain in the hoop arguing about stuff. Yeah. And they said I was a, just, I could argue my way out of anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they said, you've got to be a lawyer. And I went, no, I think after this experience in Ashton, I, I basically just went, I am going for this. And nothing's going to stop me. And I don't care if I end up, like, imploding. If it goes wrong, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But it's kind of a lesson to people. And I don't mean to be, you know, I don't mean to be in any way sort of um, maudlin or nostalgic or, or sentimental. But it is a lesson in the idea that you should go, people in life, and if you're a young person listening to this, please listen to me. You should go in life for what you want to do. Because two things can happen. You will never find out if you don't go for it. And even if you achieve mild success, you'll be way happier than being in something oh my God. That, so you're you're so not, right. that you're not interested in. Yeah. I mean, you see, it's only in, in, when you see people go through life and they're respectable, vertical commas, they have good jobs, but they hate them. Yeah. And, and they're it, clock watching. They can't wait for Friday and they hate Sunday nights. Yes. And, and it's that thing of, well, you know, welcome back to the show. It's only Wednesday, but we're looking forward to the weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's that idea of I'm living for the weekend. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, there's some people who never think about the weekend because they're in love with what they do. Yeah. Now, I'm not is saying... That describe you? It is, but I know, and I know it's a privilege because I got lucky. And by the way, everything in life is lucky. But isn't that talent as well, though? You know, it's all, you can give somebody yes, no you talent. Have, yes, luck, you, yes you can have talent, but I would be the first to say that there, there's a hundred Marios out there. Um, Not so sure about that. Ah, uh, well, there's a lot. Of, there's, a good, there's people with great talent out there. There's people with great talent, and I think you need a bit of luck. Um, and I think, for example, let's just talk about the most famous person in Cork. There's no question that Roy Keane was lucky. You know, now you could say Roy Keane has talent, and he does. But Roy Keane would tell you the truth himself. He would. There was lots of lads like me, you know. Did there. he say it? Has he said ah, that? Yeah, in the past? He's, you know, and he says I was never that special. Yeah, but he's the man with the commitment to go through the slogs of winter, walking from Mayfield so you need, all the way. So to what you need is you need talent, you need total commitment, and you need luck. Yeah. You need luck. Yeah. But listen, you only one life. The old cliche: it, this is not a rehearsal. 
have a bash. Go for what you want to do. And what I mean by that is, I don't and mean... parents listen no, to should be telling No, but I don't mean, well. I don't mean, um, and, and furthermore, I don't mean be a rock star or be an astronaut or be a comedian. Like, think about it. If you, like, really enjoy people's company and you find that you're an altruistic person and you like to help people, well, maybe tell yourself, go into a helping area, whether it be social work or nursing or doctor even, but like, go for what you feel that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're good at. It's an amazing Don't topic. let somebody yeah. else tell I mean, you what you should be. We've talked about a lot of on the air recently because nobody's going into the trades and everybody's going into college and following points and they end up doing college courses that they've no interest in. Correct. And it's very sad then because they have to reverse out of that then in later life, if they're lucky. Yeah, like Neil, if you wanted to be, if you, in college, like if, if you went to for the highest points in college, presumably everybody in Ireland would try to be an actuary. What an, a joke that would be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or a doctor. Most yeah. people aren't cut out to be a doctor, let's yeah. face it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you do meet a lot of doctors and you go, how did you become a doctor? There you, you go. As and much empathy now as a rock. And that's a problem and that's based on points, not actually being passionate about being a doctor. And having empathy for people. Yeah. And having the ability to listen, for yeah. example. Yeah. A lot of doctors don't want to listen to you at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's amazing, actually. It's great to catch you in serious mode. It's already had a lot of fun and jokes, but <laughs> it's good to get your perception on things. Ah, yeah. Thanks. I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy talking about anything, you know. So, um, uh, yeah. And listen, thanks a million for having me on. I really appreciate okay. it. And my, my apologies about dropping phones down toilets and talking <laughs> about chocolate <laughs> bars. You let yourself down at the end of the day again. <laughs> oh, by the way, there's a great little encore I do, um, which is based on the idea that... Um, do you know that they're making a movie about Saipan, Netflix? No, yeah. that'll be good. It's 20 years ago this, this next month. They took their time on that one. Well, they waited for the 20 years. So I tell the story. Anyway, I, won't, I don't want to give away the, the, the juice, but I tell the story of what the movie is going to look like. Saipan, man. That's the another movie. story. I, I have 20 I mean, years. Yeah. Is it really 20 years? Yeah, it's 20 years in May. The city was divided. Yeah. I remember being on the air for Saipan. Yeah. Mother of God, it was like a bomb went off on Lisa. Yeah. Because there was both sides to that in Absolutely. Cork at the time. Those that supported him, those that didn't. Yeah. And it hasn't really changed much in all those years. No, it hasn't. My no. God. Okay. Listen, no. you got me thinking. Mario, great to see you. Thanks yeah. for calling in and wish I had more time. Good to catch up. Thank you, Neil. Cheers, my man. The great Mario Rosenstock plays tonight and indeed tomorrow night. There's a very low limited amount of tickets still available. Not many of them. So you want to catch them for tonight, the 15th. So actually tonight, tomorrow night and the 16th. So three nights at 8 p.m. Get involved uh, and go along and get tickets at ticketmaster.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.